Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special Veteran Gamers G4TE cross-platform VG hub type thing where <laughs> we are going to talk about Skyrim in focus. Uh, I am Duke Scaff, and with me here is Big Bad Daddy. Welcome, Rich. Hello, all. Good to be here. It's good to have you. I'm not going to overdo it with the sound effects. Don't worry, people. If you haven't usually listened to the veteran gamers, then you don't know that I'm the obnoxious, over-the-top sound effects guy. But I'm going to keep it to a, a bare minimum today. How you doing, Rich? Yeah, I'm good, mate. It's Sunday. Sundays it are always good. Sundays are great. Um, How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. We've been, um, I've been loving uh, Skyrim for years. I've, I've just, it's the game I've played more than any other in the world, and I love it to death. And people are really sick of hearing me talk about it, or so I would think, because people keep saying, when are you going to do the Skyrim show? A lot of times on Veteran Gamers, we'll do a retrospective on a game, talk about spoilers and you know stuff that's really important for us to go through in depth. Um, so that's what we're going to do on Skyrim. Rich, um, let's start with the non-spoiler stuff, and then later on we can get to some spoiler things. So those of you who haven't played it yet, three years later... Uh, if you if you don't want to get spoilers, then don't worry. We'll let you know before the spoilers show up. But let's start with the non-spoiler stuff, and let's start with how you came to know the Elder Scrolls. Where did, which was the first Elder Scrolls game you ever played? The first one I played was Morrowind. Okay. And that was back in around 2003 or 2002, something right. like that. Was that on the Xbox then? It was on PC originally. You played it on the PC, all right. Yeah, I later bought it for the Xbox, but I started out on the PC, and... Uh, when I first got hold of it, the DLC had already been released, um, uh-huh. so I got the Game of the Year edition, so I was able to play like the full experience from the beginning. Cool, cool. And what stood out most about Morrowind? Because I never played that one. Well, before then, the, there was no game in existence that allowed, fr- fr- you know, the amount of freedom that you can get in an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, I think yeah. the only thing that even come close was maybe Grand Theft Auto. Right, and you that know, wasn't on, on the, first the person at the time. Was I guess. 
Uh, well, it's never Grand Theft Auto has never been first person, so never mind. But yeah, okay. So Morrowind sort of took the GTA idea of the open world sandbox thing and made it yeah, into definitely. an RPG. What about yourself? What was your first? Yeah, uh, so Oblivion was my first one. I remember seeing Morrowind, but for whatever reason, and I've been a huge RPG fan all my life, and uh, when I saw Morrowind, for whatever reason, I just didn't get into it. I didn't give it a try, and I probably should have, but uh, for various reasons. No, I know why I didn't. Duh. I didn't have an Xbox, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't on the PS2. Do you know if that's correct? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it was. I think it was just Xbox. Yeah, so if it was just Xbox, then I wouldn't have. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um... So, yeah, that explains it. I had a PS2 and it wasn't available. And I've always been a Mac person, so uh, PC wasn't an option. So it just wasn't around for me. But then when I got an Xbox 360, Oblivion, I'm pretty sure, is one of the first games I went toward. Because I I was late to the 360, but that was a game that everyone said, oh my god, role-playing game, role-playing game. And I was still kind of in this state where I was like, it should be turn-based combat for everything. But eventually I realized, wait a minute, this game is so amazing that it doesn't even matter. See, I was like that when, when I first played Morrowind. I was talking to a friend in college, and I was talking about <clears throat> RPGs, and at the time I was really into Final Fantasy and yeah, yeah. games like that. Sure. And uh, he said, oh, you should try this. It's, uh, it's, not like, uh, it's not like turn-based or anything like you'll experience. And, that, you know, it was the first, prob- probably the first Western RPG I ever played, because up really? until that point, like I said, it was all, all the Japanese palaver. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's funny because, you know, back in the day, I remember playing Pool of Radiance, uh, one of the gold box RPGs from Dungeons and & Dragons, and that actually was first person in a way. When you were, It had two modes. It had exploring mode and it had combat mode. And when you were exploring, it was first person. Now, it's, it was one panel at a time. The graphics were, by our standards, hideous. Uh, but you were, you know, walking around in the slums or whatever, and... You, you know, you face forward, and then you move forward one block, and then you could turn to the left, and, you know, it was horrible to navigate by today's standards, but back then it was great, and that experience of being kind of first person in a role-playing game was really excellent, because it, yeah. it's a sense of immersion, so I expect that was true for Morrowind, and it certainly was true for Oblivion. See, it's, it's quite, we're quite lucky in a way, because The Elder Scrolls, when it first started, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but it was never meant to be what it actually is today. See, I didn't, but I know that, what was Arena was the first one? Yeah, Arena. Okay. It was just supposed to be a gladiatorial combat game. Right, right. That was all it was going to be, but as development went on and they started coming up with new ideas, it eventually spread into this, let's just make a massive open world, first yeah. person view, and let people do whatever they want and go where they want. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure people could look up and find out you know, how big is the world of... Uh, Morrowind compared to the world of Oblivion compared to the world of Skyrim. To be honest, I don't really care because it's, for me, much more about you know the experience and, and how much you were able to kind of do and feel like you were really part of the world. And as we transition into Skyrim, I will say that one of the things that differentiated Skyrim from Oblivion for me is that while I loved Oblivion and I really felt excited about the whole process, I never really felt like... I was a part of the Oblivion world so much as I was an action superstar coming into this world and ruling on top of it. You know what I mean? And Skyrim yeah. felt much more integrated for me. Yeah, that's, that's what when Oblivion came out again. It was quite. It was a long time ago. Oblivion came out I think 2006. Yeah, so it was a few months after the Xbox 360 first came out, yeah. and I, I picked it up for PC. Um, day one, pre-ordered it, went down the shop and picked it up in the morning. All I think right. I took a week off work to play it. Nice. It's like a holiday. So you were able to get um, started during that week, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 
I don't know what my computer was at the time, but it was certainly my, my phone is probably more powerful than what my computer was <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah, exactly. So it was a case of like turn the shadows off, turn well, the glass off. I was gonna say off. you had to turn the settings all the way down. I'll bet. Yeah, but yeah. um, it was just amazing because it was the, it was the first the first real next gen RPG to come out. Yeah, that's true. For that generation, up sure, up until sure. that point, the you know the graphics had been really poor. Uh-huh. On all the games, uh-huh. and yeah, when sure. when Oblivion come out, they pushed the hardware to the max. And yeah. even nowadays, it, it's just engine limitations. You can only make it look so good before yeah. it becomes unstable. But yeah, even now, with all the texture mods and things that have been released, Oblivion can look better than most games that get released today. And you know what? I was playing Oblivion not long ago before I took a chance to install Skyrim on my you know Windows boot camp jerry rig thing, and it actually I thought it still looked beautiful. I mean, it's obviously not as elegant and beautiful as Skyrim, but I think it's, for for what it is, I think Oblivion set a, obviously a new standard for the way games look, and especially the way that sort of countryside looks, and the way that you interact with the world as a whole, compared to this is something you have to get through in order to get to the next town, or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. Oblivion sort of added more stuff, when, mm-hmm. compared to Morrowind. Have you actually picked up and played Morrowind? I've never since? played Morrowind to this day. I will at some point, probably, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. See, Morrowind is quite an empty world and there isn't really a lot of stuff in it yeah. when you compare it to things like Oblivion. So right, yeah. with Oblivion, they, they brought out and they, they, they come up with just more stuff. Sure, and sure. one of the biggest breakthroughs between Morrowind and Oblivion was the AI packages up mm-hmm. until before Oblivion come out. The AI just used to stand there all right, 24-7 right. in the same okay. place, gotcha. maybe walk around a little bit where they stood and that yeah. was it. They just kind of patrolled and there was no going to work, going to sleep, yeah. um, Anything like that, shops would be open in the middle of the night. No right, one would right. use the beds. Sure. And I mean, for the time, you, you know, you didn't really notice. You, all you saw was all oh, those people wandering around the streets. Well, and you didn't know any better. Like the idea of that's what happens in a role-playing game is dude stands there the whole time. You buy weapons from him. Yeah, exactly. And when Oblivion was first introduced in the trailers and the the gameplay walkthroughs from Todd Howard, the AI was actually more advanced then than huh. what it was released as. Interesting. Uh, I think the AI was was too advanced or too yeah, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the words they describe, right. but basically, like two people would just kill each other over an apple. <laughs> oh, I would love that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> That's what I mean. And like you'd you'd hit someone in the face, and they'd run to like the next city, buy a sword, and come back to <laughs> to kill you. And they just couldn't really control it, so they got just really dumbed it down. Has but, anybody I mean, made a mod for still, that on you know, Skyrim? That would be beautiful if you like steal an apple and just start killing. That's what I mean. People would just like just kill each other over a, a stool or because, weird stuff like that. Because probably they only had you know two switches, totally peaceful, or murder person. And if yeah, somebody tried to it, attack yeah. them, then yeah. Um, I mean, there was a lot of bad things about Oblivion, and a lot of it you didn't oh, really sure. notice yeah, yeah, until yeah. all the games started to improve on it. Yeah, and that's the thing, is it right? Like, because I had played, you know, when Skyrim came out, I played it, I loved it, and then I went, you know, I couldn't run it on my PC. I didn't think I could. I could, it turns out. But so I was like, oh, I could probably run Oblivion. So I ran it, and I was like. God, these dungeons are all exactly alike, and I, you know, the rocks are so dull, and the monster, the combat, it just, yeah, like, you know, it, I wonder if we'll think of that about Skyrim when we get to Elder Scrolls Six or something. Possibly, I mean, Oblivion's combat was one of the things as well that was just uh, improved a lot over Morrowind. Oh, Morrowind sure. still used, did, didn't use any sort of hit detection, like huh. Oblivion, or like what yeah, you yeah. expect the game to be, where you swing a sword, right. and you hit the guy. In Morrowind, there was a dice roll every time you swung your sword, and it yeah. was just hit and miss whether you'd actually connect. Wow. 
So there's a lot of time you just stand there, just swinging your sword and hitting nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, um, it was, you know, dice roll RPGs and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, people were sort of programming what they knew, and it didn't. It took breakthroughs to get to the next level, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when, when moving on to Skyrim itself, do you remember certain things about the hype of how, when it was on its way? What, do you remember the first time you heard about Skyrim? Yeah, the, the first time I heard about it, I, I literally just stopped whatever it was I was doing. I, I couldn't believe it because it hadn't been long really since Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas had come out. Right, right. And there was rumors of a possible uh, new Elder Scrolls being in the works at some point. Um, but no one really knew for sure, and I think they kept it a secret quite well because I think I'm sure they were developing it for about four or five years, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah, probably. Like, they had uh, some concept stuff going on during Fallout 3, and then once they finished Fallout 3, everyone moved over, and they had a 100-man 100, 100 team wow. working right. on Skyrim. Right. Uh, I remember, the, I think it was Eurogamer or E3 and, you know, all things like that, and they yeah, had yeah. the big Skyrim things on billboards and buildings. They were right, proper right. marketing it. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. Fuck. And they and they did a good job, I remember, with, like, the teasers with the wall, you know, and, like, all they were showing you was Alduin's wall, and it was like, they speak of one known as the Dragonborn. They fear him and this and that. So, yeah. And I, I remember... I like how the, how the story ties in throughout, like, the whole series as well. Yeah, okay. uh, Being Dragonborn, you know, Martin was the last Dragonborn, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I didn't even forget about the fact that they had mentioned Dragonborn in Oblivion, and then I was going through it again. I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, they are talking about Dragonborn. How about that? Mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember as well, as gameplay videos were being released and, uh, and info and st- stuff like that, a lot of people, because uh, I registered for the Bethesda forums at the oh. time, a lot of people were complaining because they would, people were saying they were dumbing it down. Yeah. And it's uh, taking away say, a lot of like the class specifications yeah, and a lot it's of the interesting skills. You say that because like even today there are people I, you know when I look at the Reddit forums for instance a lot of people say that like oh the 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 quests aren't as interesting the world isn't as interesting as Oblivion or Morrowind and this and that and I mean look I'm not gonna say that everything about Skyrim is an improvement but. And, and I will say that, okay, for instance, in Oblivion, right, they had this uh, quest where everybody in the town was invisible. So, like, you'd have people coming up to you and saying, like, hey, can you help us? And you're like, what is going on? I thought it was a glitch the first time it happened to me. Yeah, and, I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a yeah. good quest. And that's kind of creative and interesting. And, you know, okay, so a lot of Skyrim is, I need this thing, go get it from this cavern or whatever. And, you know, that's a fair critique, I suppose. But I, I do think that there's a certain element of... of cognoscenti role-playing games where people sort of have this attitude that like, well, it's popular and therefore I'm going to bristle against that because a lot of people love it. Yeah, and a lot of people, they seem to like to really separate separate out how they want to play the game. And in Morrowind, there was, I think, twice or maybe even three times the amount of skills as there are in Skyrim. Oh, wow. You had uh, like short, medium, and long blade skills. Okay, okay. I got you. Um, you had light, medium, and heavy armor skills. Right, Everything right. was just more, and you yeah. could specialize in different things. Sure, sure. In Oblivion, they took it to another level and made it just like short blade and long blade, right. and light armor and heavy armor. Yeah. And then Skyrim's in one, Skyrim, one it basically just hand. became one-handed, yeah, two-handed. Yeah. No doubt. And I, I mean, I would look. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind if they added more of that diversity and variety in. I, I, I don't really have an opinion. I guess one way or another. I tend to play pretty much the same every time. But I, I do think it's good to have a lot of variety in what you develop and go through. And when they were developing it and releasing information, they were saying things like, um, 
you can play how you want, which is something that they've always said. Right. But they said that they don't want you to concentrate on looking after your skills and watching your your, your points and your stats. They yeah, want you to yeah. just play the game however you want to play it. Right, right. And just let the chips fall as they may. And I appreciate that, and I, I enjoy that about Skyrim, that yeah. you can just play as you want. You don't have to worry about your skills. Right. When you level up, you you know, you, you level up, and it's yeah. like whatever. Yeah. You get stronger. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, and you can concentrate on enjoying the enjoying the world rather than crunching the numbers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, you know, talking about enjoying the world kind of takes us into the game itself. And therefore, I, I wonder, what were your first impressions? The first time you played it, the first two hours, like what stood out to you? It was, I suppose, the um, the character animations stood out to, to begin yeah. with. Uh, in the cart, it was bouncing around. Oh, yeah. You know, it, and people were like really gritty, yeah, yeah, grisly, and it was. Uh-huh. It seemed really sort of dark, and like people, so, you know, someone gets executed in the first ten minutes. That's oh, never absolutely. happened in an Elder Scrolls game before, yeah, no, unless no. it happened in one of the earlier ones. And and definitely like up close and personal, you know, because that was we saw his head come off, right? And if I remember correctly, no heads are coming off in Oblivion. Now that there was no decapitation, and um, in fact, I think the guy who. who who um, worked on the decapitation and stuff for Fallout 3 actually created a mod for Morrowind that allowed nice. it. That's he awesome. Worked, and he, it's, he worked on the AI and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, you know, <laughs> what an amusing thing. Put that on the box. Like, now with decapitations. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, mean, it I being... think it was just... No, go ahead. It, it was very grisly and very more realistic than other... It was, wasn't as high fantasy and... Yeah. You know, it wasn't beautiful in the yeah, sense sure. of clean. It was beautiful that it was dark, and it was yeah, yeah. much more Game of Thronesy than it was uh, previously. Yeah, I can see that, and I think that that emphasis on like here's the blood, here's the dirt, here's the mud, here's the rain, sort of makes the beautiful vistas even more enjoyable because then it's a nice break from the forsworn you know, eating flesh or whatever it is. I guess they don't eat flesh, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah you know, and self. I remember that first part being, you know, first of all, there's it, you're riding in a cart, so they're kind of giving you some story as you go in, and there's that guy with you who's like, this is a mistake, I'm not supposed to be here, and he makes a run for it, and mm. and that's the first person we see die, and it's like, oh my god, these people are not playing around, and there's no escape. So, whereas in the first game, you know, in Obliv- the first game, <laughs> in Oblivion, uh, you know, I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get out of here. Someone's going to bust me out or whatever, you know. I, I, I felt – I didn't think I was going to die in that first opening sequence for Skyrim, but I certainly felt like there, there was – How's it going to get out of this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And when the dragon attacks, I guess we're – that's brief spoilers for the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, actually, the first 10 minutes of the game are always customizing your character, and we could talk about that in just a second. But uh, yeah. when the dragon attacks, I remember it was just madness. I couldn't tell what was going on. The guy's like, jump over to that roof. And I'm like, what roof? I don't see anything except smoke and fire and dead people. Ah! Yeah. But that was I great. Mean, that was exactly what you should have had. The beginning is – once you've played it more than once, you realize that it's it's scripted and it's more of a tutorial. Oh yeah, sure. The first time I played it, though, I I was panicking oh, and I, sure. I was I think I fell off the roof at one point. Oh yeah. I like I didn't want to get hit by this dragon and <laughs> it was quite frightening because there was never anything like that in the previous games. There oh, was sure. never a, a monster. And like right that away before. too. What'd you say? It it happens right away. Like there are yeah, always exactly. monsters it, in these games. Normally but... you've got to wait till like the end of the game. Yeah. Oh sure. To see the big boss, but no in Skyrim. 
Alduin, the the big dragon. Yeah. It shows its face right at the beginning. Absolutely. And and the fact that, you know, as with every game, you don't really know yet when you first start out what will hurt you, what will not, and, and what you can do and what you can't do. So the chaos in that first few moments is especially peaked because you're learning how to move even, and then suddenly you have to figure out how am I going to not die from this dragon, which I don't yeah. think you probably can. You know, if you, you can't die from him. Can you? No, I think I think if you wait around the corner and stuff, it doesn't. Nothing happens. Do right, you know what I mean? Right. It's yeah, it's yeah. scripted as you as you progress yeah, through sure. the scene. Sure, sure. So just to step back a second, let's talk about character creation. You remember what uh, race you played as your first time through? The very first one was Nord, which is what I've played in all of them. Oh, okay, interesting. So do you I always do you imagine yourself having like a character continuity type thing? Like this person is the great grandson of the person from Oblivion or whatever. Yeah, kind of. I I always imagine that they sort of follow the same sort of family tree. Even in very early on in Morrowind and Oblivion, the characters were named the same and pretty nice. much looked about the same as they could. Awesome. I like to keep sort of the same sort of character throughout yeah, the yeah. thing. I do and that when too, I, actually. When I created that for Skyrim, I just made him grittier and give him like a right. scar and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because like I wrote yourself. these fantasy novels once upon a time, and like one of the characters, well, all the characters really, like you know. When you die on a certain world, like the idea is that your soul basically goes to another world, right? So you could bounce around, and everybody starts on these like so-called seed worlds, which is ours, man. Ours, Earth is a seed world, so nobody knows where they've been before this world, man. I know it sounds kind of silly, but anyway, <laughs> the point is that y- y- that allows me then to say, okay, well, you know, Frodo in Lord of the Rings was actually the same character as... You know, this person from RoboCop or whatever. You know what I mean? Because like when someone dies, okay, then they become this other person in this other world. So yeah. th- that allows me to say, yeah, okay, right. This character, Scath, Duke Scath, dude, that's the name. Uh, yeah, he bounces from this world to that world. So he keeps showing up in all these different fantasy worlds, and, and even in Starbound, like he's the character there. But whatever. Um, but but <laughs> mine was a, a dark elf because I just thought they looked. You know, you talk about grittiness. Like they were the most gritty, the most. You know, his eyes were sunken in, and the black eyeliner all over every. Everywhere. Like he was the most goth character I ever made. It's just, uh, I'm gonna murder everything and everyone. But he was really a good guy underneath. So like standing up for justice and murdering all the bad guys. See, that's something compared to the previous games. The when I look through that character creation, I was seeing the screenshots before the game come out. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with the Dark Elves and the Argonians. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The Argonians look. look so much better in this game. Because I played as an Argonian. I was so intrigued the first time through with Oblivion. I was like, I'm going to make an Argonian. And then like every time I had to look at myself, I was like, God, this guy looks like an idiot. I hate him. And people were quite happy with how they made the Dark Elves because... In Morrowind, they were very similar looking. In yeah. fact, they were almost identical, just not as good graphics. Right, and right. in Oblivion, they made the... I think people call them um, potbelly rich people. <laughs> nice. And with, with purple skin and like purple hair, and yeah, they were just yeah. like a joke. They did look ridiculous. And in fact, the, ca- the characters in general in Oblivion, looking back... Yeah. Yeah. Are a bit of a mess. Yeah, Khajiits are another good example. Like they looked really silly. I mean, they looked. Uh, I, I saw some chart one time where they compared the way that the different races looked in all the different ones, and mm. I think you could tell. Like they, I don't know. In a way, I feel like Oblivion was sort of a stepping stone to where they needed to get to, and then Skyrim was where okay, we made it happen. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, yeah. So whatever. Um. Yeah. So in terms of the world itself, um. What what would you say is most important to you about the biomes or the mountains or the sound, the music, you know, the general feel of that planet? I think 
what you see in the distance, I think, makes all the difference. Yeah. I think you, you can play in si- I mean, I like the music and the sounds and everything else. Sure, sure. And, but you can play in silence and still just the vistas in the yeah. distance and the detail they had. Like in Oblivion, it was just basically like whitewashed texture. Right, right. Of, and, but in Skyrim, they added clouds and oh, mist. Sure. Absolutely, and I think and, that uh, that really changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. And in Oblivion, we had seen sort of the sun coming and going, and you know the the landscape looked differently, obviously at sunset and whatnot. But I think in Skyrim, there's a level of yeah, you know, the detail and the shading and everything is much more sophisticated. Um, and the other thing I would say is that the mountains feel like mountains in Skyrim. In Oblivion, it felt like there were always a lot of big hills everywhere. Yeah, but, big uh, like. Egg-shaped hills. Yeah, exactly. And but I mean, yeah, in Skyrim, they 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 are mountains. Yeah, and, and there, it was, I remember it was one of the things people were complaining about leading up to the game on the really? forums. Huh. They were saying like how you you wouldn't be able to go everywhere because right, you can't right. climb and scale these mountains. <laughs> but it's like you can't win because how are you supposed to have mountains? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I remember there was a there was a mission in Oblivion where you had to go find some like frost giants or something. I don't remember what it was, but um, yeah, I, it, that was for the I think one of the mages or. In was it Leowin or Bravil? Yeah, something oh, like no, that. No, Hall it was. It was uh, for the Mages Guild. I think you had to go and find the the frost uh, frost giants in a right. cave, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And I, I remember like being up in the mountains and like it was snowing, and I was like, "Oh, am I going to catch hypothermia?" And of course, they hadn't built that in. But you know, flash forward to the Skyrim mod, dude. Uh, but but I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is really different." You know, like I'm in a mountain, it's snowing, and like. It was a significantly different experience, and I felt like, in a way, Skyrim does that all the time. You know what I mean? Like you get up to the college, the the mages college. It's a completely different atmosphere than when you go to Markarth or you know Riften or whatever it is. And I really like. I think that works well because it's not over the top. It's not like you're in a whole new you know existence, but it there are gradual shifts, and when you're in the mountains, it feels different than when you're down near a lake or whatever it is. Yeah, it's one of the things that was good. Uh, that I appreciated in in old Final Fantasy games that, I mean, I don't know what the technical word for them, but I call them regions, sure. where, like, one part of the map would be, like, different, and another part of the map would be a bit different, and, the, yeah. the, you know, the textures would be different. And Morrowind had that. Morrowind had, like, swampy area, it had, like, right. a lava area, a grassy area. Um, and in Oblivion, they didn't really have much variation between meadow and... Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one might be right next to the other, you know, and it always felt bizarre to have it sort of yeah. juxtaposed in that way and move Whereas so in Skyrim, you, it literally feels like another world. You could be up in Markarth yeah, in yeah. the Reach, and then the next day you could be in the in the Fall Forest mm-hmm. and the world's apart, but yeah, yet they sure. still fit as in, you know, the the, 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 the grounded in, in real-world locations. Yeah, definitely. And I remember reading something from this geologist guy who's like, we can see the ge- the rock formations of the world of Tamriel based on, like, what ore we find in this part of, you know, Skyrim compared to this other part. And I was just like, man, that's very impressive because it shows, you know, I mean, he's extrapolating, obviously, but I think the fact that they put that kind of attention to detail is, is impressive in itself. Yeah, I think the, the world itself is probably the most impressive game world I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah, definitely. You and know, and the other thing that I've said before, but I'll say it again, is that one of the things I think that keeps me coming back to Skyrim over and over again, in addition to the game mechanics, is that Skyrim feels like a world I wouldn't mind living in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I, I wouldn't mind spending my days like on the shores of... Uh, like Iliata or whatever it's yeah, pronounced, I have you know, no in idea what the names are, but yeah, you know, like living in Riften might not be so bad. I mean, you might get your stuff stolen all the time, but like mm-hmm. it feels like a world that's kind of at peace 
if you don't go looking for drug or death lords and the rest of it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Fallout 3, I would hate to live in that world. And yeah, cause any, any minute, fucking super mutants or <laughs> yeah. raiders could come around the corner and oh, just absolutely. blow your head off. That's if you're lucky. If you're not, then the goddamn death claws will be having sex with your entrails or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, but Skyrim, you know, has like a tranquility to it in certain places. You know, River Run is like a, a lovely village and stuff. And so, again, that, that contrast is valuable to me because when I'm at home, chilling out with Lydia like I want to just have a nice relaxing home you know what I mean I don't necessarily want it to be you know even in the nicest place Tenpenny Tower God you're thinking oh God how many people died in order to make this place happen and then if you're oh, in yeah. <laughs> Megaton you're like this place is a crap hole so yeah. yeah um which leads us then to the cities um I always thought that Oblivion cities with some minor variations were pretty much identical yeah, I'd say the same. I think, you know, you the the textures might be slightly different on the buildings. Yeah. But a lot of it, they were very generic. Right. And, and to variation. an extent, that might be a limitation of role-playing games in general because, okay, in your average city in a role-playing game, you're going to need to have a place to buy weapons, a place to buy armor, right? A temple, you know, a general goods shop. And, and then when you introduce things like food and you know, healing potions and the rest of it, like, okay, you need an alchemist, you need this, you need that. But I feel like with Skyrim, they did a good job of making, you know, I mean, Markarth is a vastly different city from Riften. Yeah, I haven't even fully explored it as far as I'm, no, as far as I'm satisfied with. Yeah. There's still, there's still corners I haven't looked in. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And I, I'd say that, you know, as we've said before, like, that's one of the things about Skyrim, I think, is that there's so much stuff out there to be, you know, to examine. Um, mm. I've probably put in a thousand hours, all told, you know, 300 on the Xbox, 200 on the PS3, and then another five on the PC, so. Yeah. See, the, the, where they, this is another thing where they went back to Morrowind, because a lot of Skyrim is them sort of harking back to the the Morrowind days of variation and yeah, uh, yeah. ambience and things. And in, right. in Morrowind, a lot of the villages in the different regions and the cities were completely different. In uh, in Balmora, which is mm. one of the major cities, uh, one of the major towns in Morrowind that take, you know, for the main story. The houses re- remind me a bit of uh, Phantom Menace, you know, on, um, nice. on Anakin's planet. The, the, yeah, yeah. They're quite, you know, uh, yellowy stone. Mm. Uh, but then further north in the Ashlands, where the Dark Health tribes are, They've got um, houses made of uh, shells and huts, and huh. you know. Well, you've you've seen Dragonborn. Well, yeah, you know. I was gonna say it feels a lot like Solstheim. Yeah, sort of so shooting for that. there is a difference, and I think they 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 took that on board, mm. and they took they took, I, I do believe they took a lot of the criticism for Oblivion and just yeah wiped it away because in Skyrim every village is different apart from when you might get two in the same area like Riverwood is very similar to Falkreath. Yeah, yeah, no and I was going to say yeah, the, some of the smaller ones feel similar like to this day I always get Falkreath and what's the other one Morthal confused. So yeah. I mean there you know there there are some similarities but um I, I the think the major in, cities themselves like yeah. Solitude, Mor- uh, Markarth, Dawnstar, yeah. Yeah. Riften, right. they're like 
and white run they're completely different yeah oh, and they've know. got completely different layouts you 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 know whereas in oblivion you right. basically get like okay the guilds are usually over that way yeah exactly shops are there and right. then the and there was the one there. i don't know if it was braville or one of them but like it was sort of a two level type thing and it was the one that was kind of in the mountains and I, I mean that that was a good example of okay this is a slightly different setup so when i went to that city i was like okay i remember yeah that was that was bruma that was i think bruma, they, yeah, yeah. They, i think they spent a lot of time on bruma because it you know, it takes part in the main quest quite a bit. Yeah, sure. In Bruma. Sure. That and Kvach. Yeah, and Kvach. Kvach. It's the hero of Kvach! Um, which, I guess, then leads to, you know, like, some of the random encounters and the things you hear from people. Uh, first of all, to let people know, for those who don't, the reason that the guards say, I used to be an adventurer like you, but then I took an arrow to the knee is... It means, it means, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. They got married. They got married? What are you talking about? That's what it means? I've never heard that. Yeah, that's what it was. It was because back in the day they used to say you took an arrow in the knee so you'd get down on one knee. Is that right? How about that? Yeah. I that, heard that's, that's that it was because it. Thank you Duchess for taking my plate. I heard that it was because the um in Oblivion they had um like knee coverings. They were a certain armor that covered up the the knees or the legs yeah. or something, I don't know. And then that way when they took that out of the game it was like, "Oh, everybody's knees are exposed or whatever." So, it could be both. Uh, it could be both. That would be quite yeah. an interesting... Anyways, people can write in podcast at veterangamers.com. No, veterangamers.co.uk. I don't know that address. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, so then the random encounters is another thing I think that's kind of interesting uh, because I remember one of the first ones I ever had was the orc, the old orc who's out in the middle of nowhere waiting to die. And I just thought that was really interesting because he was, you know, I'm, you strike up a conversation. And in, in Oblivion, the only random encounters you ever had were there'd be a guard passing by and he would say, good luck, you know, how may I help you or whatever. And there's nothing he could actually do to help you. Although I, he did save me from a saber-toothed tiger one time. Anyway, so, uh, or else it was pe- crazy people just trying to kill you for no reason. So the fact that there was this person who was like, I'm not necessarily looking to fight you, but I'm looking to fight someone. And so you could fight him, but you didn't have to. Yeah. I See that, that I, I I remember that one. I remember thinking that it's one of them that it, it sort of gives you the choice now. Do you want to kill him? Yeah. Or, you know, leave him be? And yeah. I think one of the first encounters I found was the, I think the very first one I come across was the thief. You know, he runs yeah, up oh to yeah, you here, take this stuff a sword that or I just something. Stole. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, like when that geezer come up to me and he was like you know where's the thief have you seen him and i honestly was like i don't know what to do here yeah, what should yeah. i say should, should i just kill them both should <laughs> i just you know kill the sol- soldier what should i do yeah yeah I, I think that the variation in random encounters is just head you know heads and shoulders above what oblivion tried to do oblivion like you said they had creatures uh guards would say the same shit yeah. i think they only had about seven voice actors in oblivion I as well so. or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah yeah I think they had over 100 in Skyrim or right, over 80 right. or it was a lot. And you still you feel the repetition to an extent in Skyrim still, but I think yeah. that's going to be unavoidable unless they're going to go insane. With a thousand voice yeah, actors, exactly. each NPC that's, have their own. And... That's not plausible. Well, it's not on the hardware anyway. You just can't fit the yeah. space on a right. DVD. Exactly. Uh, one of the things as well, I don't know if you knew this, but you know the guy at the beginning of Skyrim, Lokia, who says, no, I don't want this to happen, runs yeah, off and yeah. gets shot by an arrow. Yeah. The guy who does the voice for that is the same guy who uh, did the guards in Oblivion. Really? Stop right there, criminal yeah, yeah. scum. Right, right, Same right. guy. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, they brought him back. And he, he does a lot of voices in, in Skyrim. He, yeah, he, sure. he... 
And I feel like they, they got a sense in Skyrim of like, you know, in Oblivion, everything felt so sort of over the top. Like you said, you know, stop right there. You forfeit your goods or pay a fine or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and they, they were so kind. The writing was a little more stilted and the uh, voice acting was like, oh, it's good to see you. And it's just like, dude, take it down a notch. And in Skyrim, it feels like more than anything, they took it down a notch. And so yeah, especially when, some of the some of the other races like the orcs and the dark elves. Yeah, yeah. Like the dark elves talk like that. Yeah. What are you looking at? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and the yeah. orcs are like, hey, I had an orc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I and, was actually in an orc stronghold earlier today, so that's why I'm thinking of orcs. Oh sure. Um, but just the way they speak, the lines is so much better in yeah, Skyrim. Yeah, absolutely. And you it's, know that they, you're not right up in their face when you're having a conversation, which is the other thing. If people haven't ever played Oblivion, there's two things that you don't appreciate about Skyrim until you've played Oblivion. One is you're like two centimeters away from the person's face when you're having a conversation, and the other is that goddamn emotions wheel. I hated the emotions wheel. Everybody hated the emotions wheel. And as soon as I went back to Oblivion on the PC, I went looking for a mod that would take it out, and there were none. And I was like, ah, come on. See, in, in Morrowind, they, all they had was the, the options to, like, bribe, intimidate, and then right. they had, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it, basically a, a bar of how much they like you, and that would yeah. either go up or down depending on whether you intimidated yeah, yeah. them properly. But, right. yeah, that wheel in, in Oblivion was a mess because you could wheel over, like, joke, and they'd smile and... <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you, you had no idea what joke you were telling, but they were always like, "Ha, that's really funny." <laughs> yeah, or they go, "Yeah, the one about the Argonian, the elf. I like it." <laughs> I, I want to know what that joke was. Yeah, exactly. But no, on the other hand, I am glad they didn't completely take out the whole persuade, intimidate type stuff because I really like those options. And we saw it in Fallout Three and New Vegas, where you know you have the option to sort of do that. I always think it would be good, and maybe they'll do this in a future game, where if you try to intimidate the wrong person you start fighting them and then it ends up real bad for you or they might beat you to within you know half of your life and then they'll stop and go now maybe you want to try a different approach huh and yeah that could be I'd say one of the things that stood out for Skyrim over Oblivion as well was just the way that the characters speak um yeah. just in general as they you know you wander past them right and right. they just come out with comments or they'll start talking to someone yeah you know, next to them, they'll get in conversation. They tried that in Oblivion, and it was just the same stuff. It was like, hey, what's going on with you? Yeah, right, I right. I saw a sure. mud crab the other day. I saw a mud crab the other day. You know, it's funny, though, because that actually reminds this is apropos of nothing, but I remember one of the first things that I saw in Skyrim, too, was uh, I came upon one of those, like, you know, crabber shack or whatever in the woods, or I guess yeah. it was near a marsh or something, and the dude goes, I've been hunting and fishing in these parts of Skyrim all my life. And then a mud crab showed up, and it started attacking me. And the dude goes, ah, somebody help! And I was like, wait a minute. I thought you said you've been hunting and fishing here all your life. You see one mud crab, you go running away. <laughs> I like how they made crabs look like um, look like crabs again as well, but like yeah, with a yeah. bit of an edge. Because right, right. in, in, um, in Morrowind, the mud crabs just basically look like big rocks. I don't even remember what the mo uh, mud crabs look like in uh, Oblivion. In Oblivion, they, they just look, 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 look like normal crabs. Yeah. Just a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill crab. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, the legs were a little more pronounced, I guess. But, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so we should get on to the dungeons, the Dwemer Ruins. I guess we could talk about Blackreach, too. Yeah, um, see, the, the, that was one of the first things in the intro that I, that really stood out for me as well, the first dungeon. Right. And I don't mean the, the keep and the tower that you go in. I mean, like, yeah, the, yeah. the cave system. I oh, was sure. completely blown away with the difference from Oblivion. Uh-huh. Oh, sure, sure. To this. 
Yeah. And even the difference from Fallout 3, I mean, you, Fallout 3 wasn't a dungeon crawler, but there were no. dungeons in it. And the train system in Fallout 3, that was a nightmare because it all looked the same. And I think one of the biggest differences between Fallout 3 and New Vegas and um, Sky, uh, Oblivion to Skyrim is they wanted, they made sure to have different kinds of caverns and dungeons and stuff. Because yeah. one of the things in Oblivion was every dungeon was made with the same rock. Mm-hmm. And, and it I, was made by the same guy. Right. Yeah. So no wonder he got bored. Yeah, exactly. Set up. It basically I, probably just had a dungeon system and just copy-paste. Oh, sure. You could tell he did that in a lot of cases. So. I but think uh, one but of in Skyrim, he, I was amazed because there'd be like little gaps in the wall and you'd see water and you'd be like, oh, I wonder if I can go yeah, down yeah. there at some point. Oh, and, totally. And you could. You know, the cave system cases. would drop down a level and then there'd be rocks and water. and then yeah. the, It was just amazing, totally. the difference. And I remember there was a one where... Um, there's there's one and this is not really a spoiler but there's one cave where you there's like a treasure chest and you go running over a certain part of the ground and then it there's a trap door and you fall down and then the dude is like hey welcome to my dungeon i'm going to kill you slowly to test certain you know spells and stuff and you're like what and <laughs> you got to start picking <laughs> yeah. the lock and stuff and I, I just remember thinking, like, wow, because you drop a pretty significant amount and you lose some health. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that's taking this to the to a new level because, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's like it's as if each dungeon was crafted um, with love and care. Yeah, you know, oh, totally. e- each dungeon sort of matters, and each dungeon's really unique. Like one of my favorite dungeons is the one where they've got a massive, massive cavern inside, and there's like little bridges to go up to the top and different levels. And it goes really high, because the guys were like falling off, trying to fight me. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and just yeah, that sense of scale, the sense of scope. And I think this is one of the things they did really well in. Um, I guess it was the Dragonborn DLC where there was like some sword you had to get for a dude, and like there's that wall where you can't pass through it unless you, you know, use the sword in a certain way or whatever. Um, and I felt like that was one of those cavernous rooms. And then, of course, yeah. you have the whole thing with the w- rooms with the walls in them and the Death Lords or whatever. Um, they're they're huge. They feel like crypts rather than you know a cave that water wore away. Although there's some of those too where the bears live or whatever it is. Yeah, the, the Nordic ruins are really well done as well. I mean, yeah. after like a couple of hundred hours, you get a bit sick of them. Of course. But you know, to begin with, when you first start going into them, oh, you, yeah. you know, every corner you're like. What's going to be on the other side? You know, is yeah, there going yeah. to be a puzzle? Is there going to be like five drugger after me? Is there going right, to be a massive right. open cavern? Yeah, yeah. And every time you got to the end and there was a word wall, yeah, you were thinking, right, what's going to jump out of this tomb? Now, is it going to be like a a dragon priest, or is it going to be some yeah. creature? Or... Oh God! The first time I hit a dragon priest, it was I. It was the mages guild because you encounter one through that storyline, right? And mm. I remember just wetting myself with like. Because I, I did it really early, and and in fact, before that, I had done some other like side quest, which took me to a Dragger Death Lord, and this was when I was like level three or something, and yeah. so it wasn't a scaled Death Lord. You know, you get up to the higher levels, they just drop Death Lords in front of you every five seconds, but this was like a permanent one, and I got into that room, and he just sneezed at me and killed me, and I was like, what the what is this? And I couldn't. I for some reason I couldn't go backwards. I don't remember. Maybe I could. I just didn't want to. So I was like, "What am I gonna do?" And I ended up sprinting past him, finding the exit, and then just running away. And I was like, yeah. "This is insane!" But that's such a great feeling because then you're like, 
when I get strong enough, I'm going to go back and I'm going to f*** that guy up. Yeah, that happened to me. I was in the, uh, I think I was up in the mountains to the east of Whiterun. And there was a there's a word wall up there with a dragon priest, a named one. Yeah, yeah. And they're always tough. And I, like you, I was only a low level. And right. there, there wasn't a dragon there or anything. So I was just like, oh, what's this? Yeah. And then he just pops up. I can't uh-huh. remember his name now, but he one-bombed me with, like, this massive fireball. Right. But I'd saved it, like, just before, like, I got there. So I had yeah. to, like, just literally leg it and oh, peg sure, it away sure. from him. That's the worst when you save right before someone starts dealing horrible damage to you because you're like, as soon as you spawn back in, boom. Yeah, it's like accidentally saving in Tomb Raider just as, about you, just as right. you're about to jump off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, just real quick, mentioning a little bit about Blackreach without going into spoilers because we're not quite there yet, but I remember the first time through thinking, I thought it was going to be a, you know, a cave like any other cave. And, you know, you go through the Dwemer ruins and then you get down there and it's, it feels like, you know, because you encounter like some bandits or something on your way in and you're like, okay, they're trying to get gold and whatever, whatever. And then I got into Blackreach and I was like, I got lost so many times my first time through Blackreach. Yeah, well, it's like an, it's like an, it's own little world, isn't it? It is its own world, yeah. I remember seeing a map where they had highlighted Blackreach on it and I was like, it's, it's freaking enormous, just in terms of width. And then you get up into the height and the depth and it's like so much more so. Yeah. So, in terms of enemies, and this will transition us into combat a little bit, what's your favorite thing to fight? Um, aside from dragons. Well, yeah. <laughs> probably something like um, tough, something uh, like... Uh, the Briarhearts? Yeah, the Briarhearts. I like fighting the Force one. Yeah, yeah. I do like, um, like uh, with uh, with me arrows from like a distance. Right, right. It like wasn't until like my fourth or fifth playthrough that I realized, like, wait a minute, I can actually have fun with the arrows. And this was the first game I think I ever really used arrows with. I know I didn't use them in Oblivion. I liked that you could uh, that the enemies would react to where the arrow hit. So yeah, yeah. you just fire an arrow, right? And they go wandering off to where it exactly, hit. Be like, what's exactly. that? Right. And and it it was. I mean, it is still kind of ridiculous that if you get back to a stealth spot they'll go I guess it was just my imagination with a goddamn arrow sticking out of their head or whatever but, <laughs> yeah. but it, it felt like and you know every time it feels like they're making a little more progress toward you know making that more realistic and stuff yeah um, but, but I mean it's I think there's a there's a there's a line isn't there between like realism and Making sure the player has fun because it was yeah, the same yeah. in Metal Gear Solid. Did you right. ever play the first Metal Gear Solid? I've still game? never played them. I maybe I played one once upon a time. But... It was the same. You'd like alert them and they'd go, "Whoa, there's a guy!" And they chase after you. And once the time ran out and they yeah. still didn't see it, they'd be like, "Hmm, must be nothing." Right, right. I think it, it, you're right that it, 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 if it's gonna be like, "There's someone in this damn cavern," I want you to light up every torch in the place until we find him. That probably wouldn't be a fun game. But I think it's probably a matter of just the writing because I can't imagine a person going, it was probably my imagination when they've got an arrow <laughs> sticking out of their face or whatever. Yeah, um, they should say something more like, oh, they must have got away or something. Yeah, yeah, at least. there you go. Yeah, exactly. So, whatever. Um, which, you know, what yeah. Brings, What's your favorite? Well, you know, I was thinking, I remember seeing some post one time where it said skeletons in various games and it had uh, 
Ghouls and Goblins or whatever, that the old arcade game, the 2D platformer one. And the skeletons were kind of tough in that, so it said, you know, oh, damn it, a skeleton. And then it said Oblivion or uh, Skyrim. Oh, skeletons, awesome, because they're so easy, you know, you sneeze on them and they die. And then it yeah. said Dark Souls, a skeleton. Run! Run for your goddamn life! <laughs> um, so, in a way, I really like skeletons, because they're one of the first things. I remember there's a, there's a, it was one of the first missions, too. You come upon this room there's like seven skeletons, you're upstairs, and there's seven skeletons downstairs, and there's like two of those fireball, you know, candle uh, lantern things above them. You can shoot yeah, them with an arrow and they'll fall. Yeah, enchanted yeah. things. Right. And like, I, the first time I did that, and there's oil on the ground, so you just drop one of those down, it explodes, all the skeletons just crumble. I was just I like, love doing that. That's, oh, that's so one nice. of the things I was so impressed with as well, that. Yeah. In the Nordic yeah, ruins, being able to mechanic. drop them onto like the enemies, yeah. and then after once you do it once, you see them everywhere. Then and you you can oh, plan sure. and think, okay, Absolutely. I'm gonna make him chase me, and then sure, sure, those uh, set it yeah. off. Brilliant. And you know, people, I don't know. I, I I gotta be honest when I say that I don't think the combat is super sophisticated in Skyrim, but to me, it's 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 still enjoyable. Yeah, I, I enjoy the combat. It's a lot more. It's much better than previous games because it, yeah. the outcome can be different. Right, People can right. yield to you. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's in true. Skyrim, and you can sort of stop combat. And one of the things that stood out for me, the first time I come across bandits, in Oblivion, usually, as soon as they spot you, that's it. They, they just swarm for yeah, you, yeah, right. regardless. Whereas in Oblivion, they're like, stand back. Uh-huh. Don't come any closer. Right, right. They warn you. Yeah. And, and there's animals that do that as well. Wolves are the same, aren't sure. they? They howl. Right, right. And then they're like, they see you, but they don't come and attack. Yeah. And I like that because it gives you the choice and it makes it feel like they've actually got a brain. Sure, sure, exactly. No, mind of their own. And the other thing about, I remember the first time I was fighting some bandits and dude had a, so- uh, a shield and like he held the shield up and he hit it with his sword and he was like, come on. And I was like, whoa, this guy's getting into it. And it felt, you know, it was, it was a small little thing, but it really felt like it added a lot to that interchange. Yeah, so. definitely. I, I, I mean, the co- the combat's fluid as well. It it flows, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, you know, I think I was like halfway through my first playthrough before I really understood the nature of the sort of um, power attack. You know, you hold it down a little more, and because mm. I was always just like mash, 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 mash. Which, to be fair, that's most of what the combat is. And the the criticisms I've heard, which aren't totally, you know, there's there for instance, there isn't really stringing together attacks, and there isn't too many different kinds of ways to attack. You have a sword, you're mostly just swinging, swinging, swinging. Um, mm. But you know what? I don't really mind that. I don't I don't feel like... I'm not the type of person... And maybe it is a personal preference. Like, to me, I don't necessarily need the kind of... You know, like in, okay, Kingdoms of Amalur. Did you play that? Yeah, that was all about the combos and stuff, right, wasn't right. it? Was like, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of things to do while you're fighting in that. And it, it does make the combat more, I guess... Um, you know, varied, and therefore it's not as, you know, simplistic. But to me, I don't even really mind that in Skyrim. So. Yeah, I think I prefer it being that way in Skyrim as opposed to the other games because it seems less gamey. Right, right. Doesn't yeah, it? You yeah. Because there, there is only so many ways you can swing a sword. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. But uh, what I liked in Skyrim combat is that it, you could feel each blow. Yeah. You know, every time oh, sure. a sword connected or they uh-huh. hit you and you really yeah. felt it. yeah. And, very kinetic. And, and that's especially true if somebody has a shield. I remember one of the first combat experiences I ever had, as soon as I got out of the you know cave and the guy's like, meet me at River Run or whatever. And I was like, River Wood, sorry. Uh, the, 
I went running around and I found this group of bandits in a mine shaft and I was like, oh, okay, now it's on. And yeah. I tried to hit him with an arrow, but I was horrible with the bow and arrow. I was like, ah, screw this. I pulled out the sword and I went running for him. And dude, again, dude had a shield and he held it up and I didn't immediately cause him to buckle to his feet and start bleeding from everything. Instead, I hit the shield, it ricocheted off. I had to, you know, I was staggered a little bit and he just sort of, you know, came right back at me and I was like, oh my God, the shield actually blocks stuff and I'm going to have to, you know what I mean? Like, you know, your power yeah. attacks eventually overwhelm that, but it felt so... Um, it, it it felt like there was a new la- layer to the combat added with that. Yeah, definitely. So. And I liked how it affected your stamina and stuff as well. You couldn't yeah. just sort of, you know, you you can't just hold your shield up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Until the end, you you know, right. you've got to get into the fight. Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. it was in oblivion. It was quite. Uh, it wasn't as realistic as that. I think yeah. later on in levels, you'd be you could have shield um, knockbacks, but there wasn't any sort of shield bashing as far right, as I know. Right. And and that kind of leads us into the magic a little bit because I, one of the things I remember most about Oblivion is the ma- the magical spells just came out of you, like they just yeah. emanated from your chest or whatever. And I remember even the first time I played it, I'm like, that's a weird way for magic to work. Like, what the hell? Yeah, and and they took out the ability to cast while in combat as well. Right, right. Uh, in in Oblivion, you, you can just cast a spell and you you don't have to put your shield away. Yeah sword away uh, in Morrowind it was sort of the opposite you had to put everything away to use a spell interesting uh, you know you equip a spell it's like both hands type deal yeah yeah and in a way I mean own. that that feels a little more realistic I like the fact that in Skyrim you could sort of dual wield you have a sword in one hand and a spell in the other which is most of how I played the game yeah my first playthrough was uh, basically Todd Howard's character okay from the uh, from the trailers and stuff yeah, yeah. Um, you know sword in one hand um fire stream in the other sure and sure. and you know i used shouts a lot you know some of the shouts like fire yeah. breath and frost the frost breath one and stuff right right the magic in skyrim is really good and what surprised me because i don't think i'd heard about it until i seen it in the game was the magical wards yeah yeah you know i've to this day again a thousand hours in i've never really used them much no i've, I've never used one myself but they always come up and they always seem to put one up and i do like me three word shout yeah straight they throw a ward up but right, that I don't right. you know a, a shield for mages that was never in the other games apart yeah. from you you had a, a shield spell right which right. basically sort of made you immune to damage and it put you in like a little bubble yeah exactly but Whereas you, as, well, as soon as you start attacking it, it would like go shield. away yeah this one is more more um, varied and um, yeah adaptable and stuff <clears throat> Which brings us like to the a, first uh, like- uh, Twitter thing. The Seth McNitt, I sent a thing out saying, hey, what should we talk about on the Skyrim cast? So Seth McNitt from the Boss Wave podcast, Boss, 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 Boy, Wave, Wave, uh, he says, how to make the best magics, which I don't know what the hell that means, so you answer that, Rich. <laughs> um, I like to use uh, different attacks. I like to use, unless the, 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 the actor has got a resistance, like... Uh, trolls are as uh, yeah. weak against fire and stuff right, like that. Right. I like to use like frost and ice in the uh, ice and fire in the same. Right, right, sure. So dual both and stuff like that. Yeah. And I did like to use um, the dual wield fire a lot. Yeah, you know, the dual wield fire stream. Oh, it's a great feeling to, you know, especially bearing down on someone you know you're gonna get them, and it's just like pfft, both hands blazing. Yeah, just lighting the whole ground on fire. Yeah, or using sparks in both hands, and then you can be the emperor from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a mod actually released later on, wasn't it? That made it so that like magic collided. I don't know if you ever saw that. 
I, I did see that mod. I never employed it. I've got to be careful with my mods because as great as my system currently is in terms of letting me play Skyrim, once I start putting too many mods in, it'll start crashing. So. Yeah, but I mean, the magic in, in Skyrim is a, is a lot more fun than it was in the in the other games, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, being able to dual wield in, in whichever hand you wanted as well was, uh, was good. You could fight with your sword and then still heal yourself at the same time. Right, yeah, that's one thing that I really appreciated. Especially in the early levels, you know, you just got to yeah, do that. Because you, gotta, cause you have to be healing yourself healing all the time. Spells. Those first early spells, you, you just got to hold them down, and then they're just... Urgh. Yeah. All right, so um, I guess we could talk a minute about the other skill trees. Are, you know, there's alchemy, there's the uh, metalworking or armory or whatever you call it. Um, are there... It it definitely felt, you know, we mentioned before that it's much more about just playing the game and then you realize, okay, my lockpicking is going up or this or that. And you can train with people and you can read books, which is obviously a good way to get better at stuff. Um, mm. I, I, I don't know how much I have to say about it other than I think they really did it right. Yeah, the crafting is really well done, I think. Um, a lot, especially the blacksmith, there's a lot of variety, of different things you can do. You can yeah. create armor or weapons, right? And you can, and you, can stuff. you can choose to go heavy armor or light armor. I like the fact that there's like a fork in that road. Yeah, and with, with different bonuses and different skill, um, different perks to go with them as well. Yeah, I think they yeah. separated that quite well. One thing I will say though that that is bad about Skyrim is that they took out the ability to create your own spells. That's true. They did, and I remember yeah. you could make. I mean, I guess they still have enchanting, but no, you're right. I, I forgot about the making your spells in Oblivion. Yeah, I mean, there is a mod that lets you do it, but uh -huh. in in the previous games, like Morrowind, you could create like an abomination spell that was just nice. Especially if you had the money, because you could be you'd be swimming in gold by the end of the game. Yeah, you you'd would. literally have millions. Right. Um, you could create a spell that was just that would just annihilate everything, and you can create a levitate spell and all sorts. In Oblivion, it was still there, sort of, but they they put limitations on it. And in Skyrim, they took it out completely. Yeah, they did. And I, I don't know. Part of me says, I mean, I'm hoping that one of the things that we might see in the future games will be a return to that kind of, you know, we'll give you a few component parts and you can put them together however you want. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think that that would have added an extra layer of crafting for mages yeah. as well, you know, enchanting right. and spell making. I must say that, you know, when it comes to the alchemy, like, I never really got very deep into it, you know. I learned how to make the basic minor healing spell, or the healing potion, but then I was like, I never really figured out how to make the stronger healing potions, because by the time I could have gotten to that point, I usually had enough gold, I'd be like, alright, I'll just buy all the potions I need, or, and or, I'd be developing my magic, and I'd be like, oh, I'll just, you know, super heal 200 points. See, I really enjoyed the alchemy, and, and I enjoyed it in Oblivion as well, because uh, I, I like to play as like a ranger type character. Sure, sure. Picking um, up flowers. So I, yeah, so uh, I'd get to like I, I used to um, put recipes down on my phone. You uh -huh. know, when I see them in the game. Sure, sure. Write them on my phone, and then I'd do like a shopping list, and like nice. I'd go out and stock up on like monarch butterflies. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. You know, just to make the spells. It was purely just for me, and it was only really the ones you wanted. It was like the, the restore health, fortify right, health. Right. Um, you could never have enough cure diseases because rock joints was around every corner. Yeah, they were. And I'll tell you one thing, probably the thing I love most about Skyrim, fucking curing your vampirism isn't a three-week goddamn journey through the depths of hell. I remember playing <laughs> yeah. Oblivion, I was like, you've got vampirism. I'm like, all right, that sucks. How do I fix this? And I went online and I'm like, oh my God, look at what you have to do, Jesus. And it was like an ordeal and a half. 
Yeah, it's like if you get kicked out of the Majors Guild in in Oblivion as well. That was a nightmare, and it was the same thing. What's funny is in Morrowind, it was even worse to try. You know, and this was when the internet and forums and stuff yeah, yeah, sure. was sort of just coming around and yeah. there was myths on the internet that you could never cure vampirism and there was a lot of mis- you know, misinformation out there. Yeah. In Morrowind, it was just considered that if you get vampirism, that's it, you're fucked. You're, you're a vampire for life. Yeah, and I mean, I way, think there I mean, is there's a cure something to be there, said but, for that, yeah. I suppose. Like, there, you know, I, 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 I think that, you know, as we see with Dark Souls and other games, like, there's there's a certain kind of player who likes the fact that you know, the idea of permadeath or making it very high stakes. I think the best thing for a game developer to do, though, especially in a game like Skyrim, is maybe make that an option, right? Like, you can play in a way that is permadeath or whatever, but you don't have to play that way. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that you you could just... uh, The cure disease fixes anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um... We're reaching the one-hour mark. I do want to get to the spoiler stuff, but I before we get to that, I do want to talk about mods because I expect there might be people who don't want spoilers but have have played mods or probably even more, a bigger part of our audience is people who've only ever played it on the console, which until recently I was. So yeah. just to start off with, Rich, you've made a bunch of mods, so why don't you tell people what, what a mod is and what kinds of stuff is available out there? Well, basically, other than sort of texture replaces and things that change the look and feel uh, of the art you use a tool called the creation kit which is the same tool that the developers use to make the game itself just um, sort of stripped down version Uh, it doesn't have some of the stuff that they have access to uh, like scale form and havoc and things that you need a license for and basically you, you can craft and create anything from quests to a house to you can create npcs new weapons new monsters in some cases yeah new monsters yeah. new lands you can pretty much recreate skyrim and people have there've been people who've made entire new islands and whole quest lines and stories and new villages and all the rest of it there's a there's an amazing variety of things that are available um, for people who are just interested in starting with mods uh, there's a place called the what is it, the Nexus? Yeah, the Skyrim Nexus. Skyrim Nexus. Like, that's probably the best place to look for mods. Although the Steam Workshop has made it easier than ever to make mods happen, the Nexus is a little more complicated, but there's the, if you install the Nexus on your computer, installing mods is really easy with those. I, the first time I got in, I don't think the Nexus was really out or developed very well yet, so mm-hmm. it was a matter of, yeah, you had to unzip stuff and put it in your folders and make sure this didn't overwrite that, and it was just kind of a mess. But it's become much easier now, and I think it will only get easier as time goes on. The, the beauty of mods is that the, the variety and abundance of mods is, is mirrored in the variety and abundance of the players out there. There's yeah. a mod for pretty much anything. There really uh, is. You might be pissed off with how uh, how the, the fact that your character walks slower than all the other characters. Yep, yep. So when they're walking off talking and you're supposed to follow them, you have to sprint a bit and yeah. then walk and then sprint right, a bit. Right, there right. is a mod that fixes that. There really is. And there's one for making your horses act differently. There's one for um, one of the ones that I've loved that I, I don't know how I played the vanilla game without it is the wearable lantern. Yeah, that's quite cool. It's just so useful because otherwise, if you want to see in the dark, you got to hold a torch. And it's just like, God, this is wasting a hand, man. I need something on my belt. Some of the best mods are the, are the ones that, although they might be complicated behind the scenes. Yeah. You know what? From our side, from the viewer, they're, yeah. they're really simple. Like they there's are. mods that 
Um, mods that make it so horses can be used to store your gear. Yeah, oh, sure, absolutely. Or yeah. there's one called, like, bandoliers and belt storage or something, and they just put a little pouch on your belt, and it was like, yes, absolutely. Now, some of them are cosmetic, and I remember when I did my little Bartleby story thing on the Veteran Gamer site, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I came across some woman who'd been murdered by bandits or something. I thought, I want to bury her. And then I went, wait, is there a mod for that? And it turns out there was. So I got this mod where I could bury people, and it just felt like... Again, it was totally just an immersion thing. It had nothing to do with the way the game played or anything, but it was just really cool that somebody had made that thing which allowed me to have that you know, part of the game that would never make sense to include for any reason other than it's just kind of neat. Yeah, exactly, and a lot of times what you'll find is the majority of mods out there are made by people that made them just because that's what they wanted to they use. They wanted to have that in the game, sure, yeah. Yeah, so they make it, they use it. Like, I made one that made it, so training dummies and stuff give you a little bit of XP when you hit them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Quite simple and straightforward, but there's a few thousand other people out there that thought it might be quite cool as well. Sure, sure. And it's just one of them little immersion things, and there's even what can be considered small immersion factor mods. Mm -hmm. They're actually really complicated. Like, there's a mod called Wet and Cold. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Um, You have breath when you're in a cold place and you get frost on your skin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're in water, when you come out, you're dripping wet and sure, just sure. Little, little things like that. In the rain, uh, all the NPCs will uh, put hoods on. Right, right. And, and, sort of and there's the one where you can, like, when you walk through the snow, it'll leave footprints behind you and stuff. Yeah, the footprints like, mod is... Very impressive. Is, and you wouldn't believe how complicated that is. Oh, I'll bet. Um, for example, the, it's not actually the character's feet that impacts into the floor, it's the calves. Okay, you know, on, on yeah, the yeah. model. Right, right. Sure, He's jacked sure. it on the skeleton. It's the carve that okay. he had to attach the footprint impact data wow. to. And That's basically, crazy. it's whenever that character makes that step, it just places a foot texture on the ground. Yeah. But he had to stick it on the calves because, as you know, sometimes your feet are underneath the ground. Oh, sure, sure. That's um, crazy. But yeah, I mean, the, that mod is just beyond complicated. And Frostfall is another one as well. Yeah, that just, yeah, the hypothermia. The scripting ones. in that. I mean, Chesco himself... Um, Frostfall was featured in official Xbox magazine over here. Nice. In one of the Skyrim mods, and I, I sent him a copy of the magazine over in the States. Yeah. Um, he's actually a developer, and he's making a game with a couple of other guys. Nice. Um, so he, he obviously knows his stuff, and he's a very, say, very he knows clever what he's man. Doing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, like, for those who don't know, Rich is a kind of a superstar in the mod world because he made the Hunting in Skyrim mod, which has been celebrated like PC magazine I think said it was one of the top 10 mods in all of Skyrim which that's quite an honor that's a feather in your cap dude so talk a little bit about the hunting in Skyrim mod yeah well it started out I wanted to have what you have in Red Dead Redem- uh, Red Dead Redemption in Skyrim I wanted to have like little hunting challenges and just a reason to hunt animals because it seemed like there was such an abundance of wildlife um and I just sort of grew over time, and it's, but I fell into the same thing that a lot of new modders do because I'd never modded before. Yeah, that was get an idea first for a big one, project. You just underestimate the actual time it's going to take you. Yeah, because you not only do you need time to be able to create what your what your vision is, but you need to learn it from scratch. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Sure. Um, just to put it into comparison for you, mate, I've logged three hundred hours in Skyrim. Yeah, and a thousand hours in the creation oh kit. Oh my god. So and you know a lot of the time in Skyrim was just testing what I'm doing in the creation kit as right, well. Right, right, sure. Um, I think Alexander uh, was the same. You know, Falskar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had about a thousand hours in the creation kit. The difference though is 
Alexander actually had a year to create the mod and it didn't work. Right, right, sure. During that time. So yeah, he, he basically had it as like a full-time job. But yeah. if you're just trying to steal an hour here, an hour right, there... Right. And, and that's... You get, and, you know, I haven't done any modding, really, in Skyrim, but I have done, like, HTML design and certain, you know, graphic design stuff. It's the type of thing that... And some people can have a very indirect sense of what we're talking about if they've ever tried to build something big in Minecraft or whatever, right? Like, there's a part of you that get so sucked into it because you have so many different parts of the thing to keep track of. I remember when I was first learning HTML programming, I was so deep into it. And this was when the, when the webs were just, websites were only text. Like there was no imagery to use on it. But yeah. I was so deep into it that I realized in the, after like four hours of straight programming, I looked up and I was like, I am starving, but I couldn't stop. So I went and got a jar of peanut butter, stuck a spoon in it, and like that was my dinner. Yeah. So I think it's very impressive to see something like hunting in Skyrim because the it's so clear that you know you've put in all the work and again you want to make it fit Skyrim's world and that means that if you don't put in that detail people are going to notice and I think that hunting in Skyrim has done that and it's it's very uh, it's very impressive so well done a lot of the things of one of the things that's taken its time and has made the the actual thing take so long. I could have had it finished in six months. Yeah. It's just that something else comes to mind. Right, sure. And then something else. Yeah. Like the whole skinning system wasn't right, even supposed right. to be in it. Yeah. You know, I, I spent like almost a year perfecting that. And I've got a new one now which works exactly like Red Dead Redemption. You just nice. activate the animal. Yeah. And you, its skin disappears. And it's it, there's like a special new model where it looks like it's been skinned. I guess I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it, it's only That's recently awesome. come out. And, okay. You know, the... Just the the amount of information that you have to take in as well when you're trying to because you think oh okay how do I do this and then yeah. you spend two months working on it right, right. and by which points your your users have waited two months for like another quest and yeah, all you've sure. done is just learn how to do some sort of scripting <laughs> right and it's it's annoying for me because I wanted to be done with this yeah. I didn't want to still be here you know oh, a year sure. and a half later still doing it mm-hmm. and because I feel like I, I'm gonna I might get to that point where I won't finish it and I don't yeah. really want to get to there because. I don't want to leave it unfinished. Sure, sure. Um, sure. I could have added things early on. You know, people say, oh, why can't you, you know, add this or add that? And I right. could have, but it wouldn't have made sense because the guild is supposed to be growing. Right, and if I just sure. suddenly throw in all these new outposts or yeah. all these NPCs that don't have a voice just for the fact that they're there, it won't right. make any sense because, you know, one day the guild's dead, the next it's massive. Yeah, yeah. So no I've got to sort of think of things in a realistic way and how it would mm-hmm. seem for a new guy who right. just today downloads the mod and plays it. Yeah. You know, as opposed to there are people who still talk to me on the Nexus mm-hmm. who've been playing it since November of right. uh, 2012. Yeah. So you know, and that's, the that's the, the thing with man. hunting in Skyrim as well is that there's nearly a hundred thousand unique downloads. Yeah. That's a, and that's only on the download? Nexus. There's about 30, 40 odd on Steam Workshop. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of people that are really into it sure. as well. So I, I feel like, not that I, I owe it to anybody because it's only a hobby, but I feel like, you know, I've got something to aim for. Oh, you know no, I, mean? I know exactly what you mean, dude. Like, that's that's exactly, I think, how a lot of us feel about, you know, the video game podcast or whatever. There is not a sense of obligation in the sense of, like, oh, I'm a slave to the audience or whatever, but, you know, it's 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 one thing to put stuff out into the world and then see most people ignore it, and then, you know, your friends might say, like, oh, that's kind of neat. But it's quite another when 
you've put something out into the world, especially if you get used to that way of being in the world. Like, I'll put stuff out there, but I don't expect ever to hear anything about it. And that lets you say, well, it doesn't matter if I do it. It doesn't matter how often or whatever. But when people say, like, hey, I'm looking forward to the new show, or you get that positive feedback, that brings a different kind of obligation to the creator. Definitely. And, like, just today, there's a girl on my my Steam friend. She added me because um, she enjoyed the mod on Steam, so she just sent me a friend request. Yeah. She sent me the Stanley Parable, which, nice. you know, it's, it might not be a very good game in some people's it's minds, not. but, you know, she spent money. Yeah, right. Real-life money on yeah. something for, you know, and the, there's a guy right early on in development sent me $20 on PayPal, nice. you know. Yeah, and it's great. Like we've had, yeah, we've had people on the veteran gamers who are like, "Thank you for the podcast. Like it's added value to my life." So yeah, here's a game or whatever. Someone sent me the Orion Dino Hunter recently. I'm like, that's just so nice. And it's you know, in some cases, it you know, I remember someone sent me a copy of Dota Two because they had it like ten extras or whatever. You know, Dota Two would yeah. make it. So, but I I didn't realize that. So I was like, oh my god, because the game was like thirty dollars or something. I was like, oh my god, this person spent thirty dollars on that. So nice. <laughs> Now, you know, when I sent all those thank yous, he was like, oh, don't worry about it. It was free. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. that's still very nice of you. It's just that 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 amazing opportunity to engage with people who like what we do is just really rewarding. So, Yeah, definitely. And just uh, one last thing I will say on Hunting and Skyrim as yeah. well, in, in mods in general, you've got to be very careful what it is you do in your mod because oh, sure. you don't want to break someone's game. Right. And especially with scripting, there's a lot of stigma attached to that because... If you've got a mod that adds any sort of scripting lang- language and scripting to the game, and then you remove it later on, yeah, it, it'll cause you problems. So sure. a lot of it is making sure that it's safe. Right. And I, I'd spend a lot of time, once I'm finished with an update, and I think, okay, this is ready. I'm happy with what's going to get released. I test it just to make sure it doesn't fuck someone's game up, oh, because sure. that would be the worst thing. Imagine losing like a 400-hour character. Yeah, no doubt. And not only do you have to check and make sure it doesn't mess up the game's Skyrim, but most people use these mods in conjunction with dozens and dozens of other mods. So if you have a conflict, suddenly, because of some piece of script you wrote, that's going to add another nightmare into the mix. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, 90% of the stuff, because bugs happen and stuff goes wrong and stuff yeah. doesn't work properly, yeah. 99% of that can be fixed no problem. I release an update and someone says, oh, um, thanks for the update, but it doesn't, you know, your, your skills doesn't see uh, fox kills anymore. Right. And I'm like, all right, okay, I'll sort that. Done. Next yeah. update. But, you know, like you said, there could be conflicts. Like, I've added some new caves and animal dens. Someone might pop up and say, oh, you've added a cave right in the middle of this town. Yeah, sure. You know, and there isn't really anything I can do about that. Really, and that's if that. you have a nice user who's able to delineate what it is. But I've seen posts on various mods where it's like, this mod sucks, it won't work, it's a piece of crap. And then the person's like, I'm sorry, could you please just post which mods you're using? And the person posts like 300 different mods. And you're like, well, no wonder you had a conflict, dude. Yeah, Jesus. You see it on the um, on the Elder Scrolls forums as well. Yeah. Just some of the things like people say um, they they're using like a mod that come out really early in the development yeah. when you no know, people didn't really know what they were doing, right. and they're using it with like three hundred mods, and all of the mods do all the same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. You sure. know, they'll say, "Oh, your combat mod doesn't work." Well, you're using three other combat mods. Exactly. And you know? and that's the thing is that like. And those who I, I just imagine console players thinking like, "Oh, shut up about the mods!" But shame on you for not having a PC that can run it. Um, but the uh, 
it's one thing if, you know, if... Okay, so for instance, on the PC3, or the PS... The PS3 had the dragon glitch where... And I had, I suffered from this where you'd be chasing a dragon, he would just circle, circle, circle forever and never land. And mm. you just couldn't do anything. It sucked. But it's a good... You know, I paid for the game. That's messed up. But with these mods, they're all free. So f- when people are jerks to mod creators, I'm like, dude, you don't understand how this works. How can you be so obnoxious, man? This person put in all this time and effort and love for no money just to make the thing that you might love, and you're being a- an asshat about it. Yeah, I had some guy um, hating on me, if you could say, on, on Steam. He kept posting every single day. Um, Big Bad Daddy... It breaks the game, oh, doesn't God. fix bugs, uh, do not download. And I just deleted his comment. Eventually, he got bored and stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I At first, I was like, well, you're saying I don't fix bugs, but here's a link to me changelog with like yeah. 100 lines. Right, sure. And I, I, I have had it a few times where people just obnoxiously come on and they say like, um, this mod shit, <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. my response is basically, well, don't download it. Yeah. And I don't I don't give a fuck. And I say right. to people, some people are, are really like, oh, I'm really sorry. If people are obnoxious, I tell them to fuck off. Yeah, oh, sure. If they don't like it, fuck yeah. off. Oh, exactly. Like, you know there I mean? is no I- reason. I mean, look, if, if okay, so I don't like Stanley Parable, and I make it clear that I hate it, but I'm not going to go onto a forum and be like, this game sucks, I hate it. Like, there's, there's a level of obnoxiousness inherent to going above and beyond, you know, if somebody doesn't like your mod, they can just be like, you know, eh, this isn't for me, or, you know, I didn't like this mechanic or whatever, but it's never that civil. It's never that logical. It's always yeah. like, I'm going to be a prick because, probably because I don't have any friends at school, or, you know, my mom makes me do my homework or whatever it is, and and, and that's going to manifest itself in a way that it has nothing to do with. I have had a couple of people post, like, um, you know, downloaded the mod, give it a try. Um, I didn't really like this. I didn't really like that. Um, you know, thanks for your effort, but it's not for me. And I'll yeah. say, all right, well, thanks for giving it a go, you know. Sure, sure. No harm. No yeah. harm done. You just give it a go. Whereas with the other people who were really obnoxious and horrible, all you say is, well, I didn't make you download it. Yeah, exactly. Uninstall it and, go, you know, piss off. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so. I, yeah, so, uh, you know, on mods, there is an abundance and of mods and I think um, Bethesda were quite shocked with how popular mods were going to be Really, in that they thought there was only going to be a, a certain f- fraction of the sales of Skyrim would be on mm. console Right, right. but um, it turns out that millions upon millions of people bought it for PC and millions upon pe- millions of people use mods and yeah. some of the top rated mods of all time have been downloaded like 5 million times oh sure do you know what I mean? Like mods like SKSE or Sky yeah, yeah. UI. Sure, sure. And Sky U- Fall as well. I'll tell you something, man. Dude, Sky UI is so amazing. I can't imagine going back to any other method. For those you who know, don't I, know, I, Sky I, UI I, is like yeah. it's like it's 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 the difference between you know a clunky user interface on Windows and what you currently have. Like you can, it's it's got a list. It's easier to read. It's easier to move around. It's just yeah. Beautiful. It's like it's like an app screen on your phone and your start menu on your computer. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I've, I, what one thing I will say on Sky UI is it's quite funny. Sky UI makes the UI look like it did in Oblivion. Yeah, that's true. That's a, actually a lot true. of people hated it in Oblivion. Yeah. yeah. So it's just you that's can't win. Point. Yeah, you can't. And that certainly is true. Um, have you, no, just one last thing about mods. Have, be honest. Have you ever installed any of the naked or the sex mods? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I just can't imagine. I mean, 
I think the sex is one thing because, okay, maybe that is something that could be interesting for sake of immersion. But I just think of, again, you think of the time and effort that go into some of these nudity mods. And there's not just a few. There's probably hundreds of nudity mods. Hundreds like, of thousands? Yeah. Like, you know, bigger breasts and, like, minimal pubic hair, lots of pubic hair, zero... Pu- I'm like, dude, it's not that important. Why are you spending... Because you know how much work it takes to make these things happen. That's what I mean. You know, when I see these mods pop up on the Nexus, like these animated sex mods or yeah. these nude mods, yeah. the work is beautiful yeah it is you know what i mean it, it is, lit- is it is perf- perfect what yeah. they've put into it yeah it's just well i mean each to their own but for me it's just a shame that they put that into right that effort into that rather than right you think else. if you were to put that same amount of effort into like making a new quest line or something that you yeah could... or make a new armor imagine yeah, right imagine the armors those people could make if yeah, they stopped sure. making bras <laughs> And that's the other I mean? thing is that like i don't want to give the impression that all mods are great because i've downloaded some shit mods <laughs> um, you know, some of them were like, I'm gonna, you know, a lot of them were quests. When I first got Skyrim running, I was like, oh, look at all these different quests I can install! And some of them ended up being like, find out the mystery of this mine! And then I'd go into it, and it was like, there was a spider in there or something. And I'm like, yeah. really? The mystery is, how did this creature develop eight legs? Like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. But, uh, anyway. Something I will say, just, just in case people get the wrong idea, um, those modders that do make those type of mods, the nudie mods and stuff, yeah. um, the work is appreciated, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm not oh, sure. being ungrateful. I'm, they're just not really the type of mods that I'm looking oh, for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and, and I, I, I want, there's people that go into those mods and hate on them in their <laughs> posts and stuff, and I don't see the point in that because that's just like hating someone hating on a mod you like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it if you is, don't like it, it, there's an option on the Nexus to view files that aren't, Rated oh, you, like I think, and that's the default. You have to go looking for the naked mods. And so for someone to then be like, I hate this, I'm like, why are you, again, like, what? why are you bothering going into that much effort to do that? Just don't bother with them. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> anyway, um, okay, so well, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about with any of that stuff, I figure we can go ahead and talk about some of the spoiler stuff. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Warning, warning, warning. So if you haven't played Skyrim or you haven't played it much, uh, now's the time to tune out because uh, we're going to get to some spoiler territory. Starting with the main storyline, um, Alduin is reanimating the dragons. They weren't dead. They were just hibernating. Is that I have that right as far as you know? Um, No, the, 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 I think they were sort of in a, in a state of death that okay. was kind of like not being dead. Okay. So you're you're so, so much more well versed in the lore and the history of all this stuff than I am. So I will defer. Yeah, they to you they on were this. basically sort of laying in wait in a right, way. Right. And he okay. and he sort of gave life back to them because he's the I think he's life life breather or something. Yeah, something is one like of that. his one of his names because right. Alduin is just an avatar of one of the divines, one of the gods. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alduin is actually revered by the by the Imperials. Okay. You know, they worship him as like a god. I guess I never got that. Martin becomes a dragon, doesn't he? At the end yeah, of Oblivion. Yeah, that's true. Whereas in in Skyrim's world, Alduin is called the World Eater. The World Eater, yeah. Yeah, it's is he's got sort of he's a he's got many faces. Right. Uh, right. It's in Skyrim's lore in in the world of Skyrim, their worship. He's yeah. sort of a a bad guy. Yeah, it's interesting because that sort of parallels the sort of Hindu pantheon a little bit of like, you know, this person is seen in this story as being horrible and evil, but then in this other story, he's a good guy or whatever. So yeah, it's just it's cool. It shows the depth of the sort of complexity of the 
lore and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So, in general, I felt like that storyline is decent. I don't know that it really blew me away because it is, to be fair, a kind of standard version of the world's going to end. You are the chosen one who can fix it. You have this responsibility. And, you know, even if you play a horrible, atrocious character, you're still going to end up doing the right thing and saving the world from apocalypse. Yeah, it it does sort of seem as you progress that sort of your actions in the world, although they impact small things, right? They don't they don't impact the the main quest, right? That's sort of set in stone. And, and in a way, yeah. I mean, you know, Fallout Three is the same sort of thing. Even if you're the most horrible person in the world, again, spoilers for Fallout Three. I don't want people to get the the wrong impression about. Warning! 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 <laughs> You're you're still gonna save the water supply and bring fresh yeah, water. Yeah, and, and you still they talked about on the radio as being like, you know, sort of a prodigal yeah. person, right. and you know he's he's come out of the vault and yeah, yeah. People love so you. I mean, you know, I I think that, and again, the, I, I, in a way, I'm kind of waiting for a game that doesn't have a main storyline. I think it could be very interesting if you had a video game that was nothing but sort of quote unquote side quests, and there was no one single driving thing that you were supposed to do in order to you know save the world or whatever it is and um, i think it's gonna it might actually get to that point at some yeah. point because the the content in skyrim's main quest you could take it out like i myself i haven't even completed yeah. it right sure and I, it's not taken away from my enjoyment of the game oh, yeah, one little bit not. and i wouldn't even mind if it was there and right Morrowind was the same. I didn't touch the main quest till about two years later. I eventually mm-hmm. did finish it. Mm-hmm. Oblivion was the same. I didn't touch the main quest for a year or two. Right. And then, then finished it. And and we have, and we talked about this with Mass Effect, like there's a tension that goes on between the world is going to end tomorrow. This monster is the most evil thing that's ever existed. Hey, my dog's lost. Will you help me find him? Like, wait a minute. How can both of those be going on at the same time? I have time to help you find your lost dog, even though the apocalypse could happen tomorrow. Yeah, and Oblivion's was like that as well. Yeah. All these gates were popping right, up. Right, right. Hell on Earth was unleashing all the Oblivion. <laughs> all of Oblivion was you know, spilling out over right, the Earth. Right, And you'd be there playing cabbage golf. <laughs> exactly. And it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be fair, again, like these are the gamey elements. Like You don't want to feel like I can't play any of these side missions or whatever. But I think, you know, and again, Minecraft and Rust are showing us that you can have an awesome game that doesn't have a story that you have to go chasing. And and yeah. certainly not one central story. You know, I think yeah. one of the things that Skyrim's done for us is shown us that you can have lots of little stories and sometimes medium-sized stories or even huge stories, but you don't necessarily need that central thing. So. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the Civil War, which I found much more interesting because you're taking sides. And even to this day, I have students come to me every semester and they say, which side are you fighting on? And I always say Stormcloaks, although I have fought with the Imperials. And they go, they start going, they're a bunch of racist scumbags. I say, it doesn't matter. If the Empire wants to occupy a land, they're going to expect resistance. Do the Palestinians have a right to resist? You're goddamn right they do. And even though Palestinians commit horrible human rights atrocities and they do the suicide bombing and they do illegitimate killing of civilians and blah, 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 they still have the right to resist and, and we get really into it. Yeah. And, and it's think, very political and yeah, it does, I sort of... I didn't really, I wouldn't say predict it because I don't think I ever told anybody, but after I finished Oblivion, I remember thinking ahead and thinking, okay, story and law-wise, what's in store for the future now? And I remember thinking that the Nords aren't going to want to stay in an an empire that doesn't have an emperor. Mm, 
interesting. I remember thinking that because I was I was I was researching them and researching all the law from back when I used to play Morrowind. Yeah. And I remember thinking that, and I remember thinking something would kick off with the orcs, which hasn't happened as far no, as we know yet. True. But yeah, yeah. the Nords, obviously, you know the the uprising and yeah, the, yeah. the and resistance I think, against yeah, the Empire. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool to see either the Dark Elves or the orcs. I don't know that the Khajiit or the Argonians would be as interesting to see. Yeah, like some sort of you know, racial conflict going on as a central conflict in one of the stories. And it might happen. I mean, there's the Thalma going on. Right. You know, in Skyrim. And the Thalma is a really interesting part of this discussion because, you know, I remember when I first got in, I was like, I had the impression that I just gave you, which was, dude, occupying forces? Absolutely not. We're going to fight. I'm going to try to get occupying forces out of here. And then I, I came into contact with more and more characters who were like, dude, the Thalmor are such a bunch of scumbags. And I started to realize, like, wait a minute, there's a reason why people kind of support the Empire, because the Thalmor is so much worse, and maybe yeah. Skyrim couldn't hold its own against the Thalmor, which... And the thing is, is without Skyrim and without the Nords, the, and the, the Empire is weakened, and the Thalmor yeah. could invade again, because, I oh, mean, sure. you know, uh, Elder Scrolls Online takes place in the past, doesn't it? Yeah. And the Elves... You know, they, they were against the Empire then. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, I think the Civil War is a really good conflict. Now, to be fair, you know, there's a mod that makes, it's called like Civil War Redux or something. I don't know if you've ever played that, but it makes it so that there, it's sort of like, you ever play that game uh, Frontline's Fuel of War? Yeah, I liked that. It was that like was a good game. Yeah, and like the the idea that you had these constantly shifting lines of battle and you had to like hold a city or, you know, we see it in Saints Row and GTA where your neighborhood's under attack and you have to go and defend it or whatever. So that yeah. mod makes the Civil War much more sort of lively, whereas in the main storyline, it's attack this town, kill 300 soldiers and then move on to this other town and take that one or whatever it is. And that's fine. I think it's decent. And it certainly, I felt like it was you know, having that many soldiers on the screen at once made it, it, it. I got some slowdown in a serious way on the consoles. Yeah, just the scale on yeah. Skyrim as compared to like five on five in the right, in the main right. quest, main battle sure, in Oblivion. Sure. It was just unbelievable. And yeah. I, I don't know if you know this, but there's a there was a lot of Civil War content that was cut before I the game was that. released. Oh wow, okay. And it, it's in the creation kit now, and the, the, there's a couple of guys who are working to huh. finish it. Interesting. But it involved attacking more major cities um, and different outcomes and different things happening, but it was just cut before oh. the end. They must have run out of time, so they That's just left it out How about that? and condensed it. But the Civil War was intended to be more fleshed out than it yeah, actually yeah. is. That's, that makes sense. Because I remember even with Oblivion, like the, and it's so weird for me to think that Oblivion and Skyrim are on the same console because it feels like they're light years apart. Yeah, that they are. It's like they're on different consoles. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, going into Kavach. Like, Kavach was, there was a war going on when you got there, right? Like, there were monsters and demons and, you know, the yeah. castle was in ruins and all the rest of it. And, like, I had slow down there. And they were clearly doing everything they could to make you feel you were in the middle of a battle. And you did. But it was, um, and I suppose that's an interesting parallel for Helgen, because in both cases you're wandering through a city being abandoned and destroyed by evil monsters. But, mm. um,. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I felt like the Civil War is so much more interesting to me than the uh, the story of Alduin. Um, but I mean, to be fair, the story of Alduin was also I I like I love Parthenax. I think he's a really cool character. I think the Greybeards are interesting, 
And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff along the way, I guess, even if the main story itself isn't all that fast. Yeah, fight, fighting dragons is just one of the well, best yeah. things I've ever experienced oh, in absolutely. an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And 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 the thing about the dragons, I think, is that and we 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 haven't even really talked about the dragons yet. They and certainly haven't talked about fighting them. They, mm. they got the scale right. Like it would have been easy to make them, you know, pesky, and it would have been easy to make them apocalyptic, so that if you met one before your level 100, like, that's just the end of you. But yeah. they did that thing of there's normal dragons, there's ice dragons, there's blood dragons, and they, they made scales of them so that the first time you, you know, when I first met one at the Western Watchtower or whatever, like, I was properly freaked out because I couldn't tell where it was until it burned fire on me. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do? And I hadn't used bow and arrow yet. So I was like, please come over here so I can attack you with my sword. Yeah. It it was immense. Like the first time you do fight a dragon, you you don't, you know, watching the videos and stuff, you don't realize the impact that they have on the game. Oh, yeah, like the, literally, the game stops, doesn't it? And you have to sort of finish. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and you're you're in for a good you know twenty minutes, or something, mm-hmm. especially with a frost dragon that just won't land. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what I, what I find interesting as well, sometimes there'll be another dragon. Um, sometimes there'll be like villagers or soldiers that'll join in. Sometimes. Fr- uh, frost uh, frost trolls will come up when you're high in the mountains and yeah. they'll fight the dragon. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was and the other thing is that walking across the landscape and seeing two wizards fighting each other, I was just like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I do love just some of the encounters and just some of the just some of the things that can happen, like wolves chasing a rabbit. Yeah. Um, and then a bear sees the rabbit and then the bear's <laughs> after it and then the bear kills the wolf. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Or bandits chasing you and then suddenly spiders show up and they start fighting the spiders or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, one last mod plug. There's one called um, uh, Increased Encounters or something, and it just it has the roaming crews of Imperials and Stormcloaks and Thalmor and the rest of it, and they're like, sometimes they'll be fighting each other and you'll walk across the field and there's ten Imperials fighting ten Stormcloaks, or you come upon it just as they're finishing them off, and there's like one you know, magic using Thalmor getting stomped by 20 Stormcloaks or whatever. Yeah, there, there was a mod early on called Warzones, which basically just added like 100 v 100 battles going yeah. on that you could come across. Right. And it was just immense. And it, I think development stopped and it, it started to bog down people's games and stuff. But early on, it was just unbelievable because you'd be crossing the I... field and then there'd be this war and then, you know, you'd have 100 swords to pick up to go and sell. Yeah, right, right. And I'll tell you this, when I get my next computer, whenever that is and whatever computer it is, I will have a new level of Skyrim explosive stuff to explore because I there's so much that's just still out there for me to experience. In turn, not even just I mean graphics are part of it and I haven't even messed with ENBs or any of that because I can't I can't run them right now. But there will yeah. be some amazing stuff um when I do finally get a new computer. So Yeah, that that's one of the things that I I I you know, I'm quite lucky with. I, f- I feel blessed because I've got quite a decent PC. Yeah. Um, and I've been upgrading it over the last couple of years. I am able to sort of run the high-res textures and the high-res models. And Skyrim does look... It's the, the best-looking game I've ever seen yeah. you know, with these mods. The textures are better than what Battlefield 4's textures yeah. are, yeah. you know, that some of these people have made. Right. And I am quite lucky in that. But, again, that's just one of those things. Like, you can make Morrowind look like that with yeah. textures. Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. You know, so that, it, that's one of the things that's good about mods is the fact that the games can become almost timeless. Yeah, sure. Especially if the core mechanics work really well. And yeah. 
you know that was one of the things about oblivion is like going back to it it was still you know i thought it still looked beautiful and i could add new mods that made it look even better but the core mechanics in some ways were kind of wonky and you know there may be mods that can fix that yeah 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 totally so i mean i don't know if i mean although i've played a lot of skyrim and stuff i haven't actually finished any of the uh faction quests right and you've had how many hours in the game 300 and something, 300 it is. Now, a lot of that was, as you say, testing the mod, but still, yeah, that's probably a long time to put into a game testing. and not having finished the the quest lines. But I think that's, a, in a way, that speaks to the beauty of the game, is that you're not necessarily limited to those quest lines. You can explore them if you want, and I certainly have, but there's so much else in the game as well. Yeah, I mean, I just enjoy being in the world. It's my favorite thing is just yeah. to wander. Oh, sure. Um, I can spend two hours just looking over a hill. Of course, and you, know, you can. And, you, and, you and can, I've done a, a shitload of side quests and miscellaneous quests. There's a couple yeah. of Daedric ones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I've got a certain, you know, a certain distance through the companions and the main quest, but uh-huh. I've never felt obligated to finish it because there's right. just so much to see and do. Yeah, there really is. So, to sort of finish us out, I suppose we're getting near the end. Um, the uh, eh, not really. Whatever. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the different side quests chap chunks uh, and just, you know, talk about maybe things that work well with them and the rest of it. Um, the Companions are is a good place to start because, of course, the game sort of directs you to Whiterun uh, at the start of the game and then, you know, one of the first things you're probably likely to do is join up with the Companions. And I felt like it was an interesting twist after the Fighters Guild and Oblivion because that felt... If Oblivion quest lines all felt like here's this club, here's this club, here's that club, and that's pretty much what we have in Skyrim. But they did a better job, I think, of disguising it. Yeah, definitely, it wasn't as obvious. Yeah, and I think that the people you meet in the companions are interesting too, because there's the whole thing about the werewolves and and the the people that are involved in it. There's old people, there's young people, and it, it got the sense that you were joining something that had been around a while and had some interesting stuff beneath the surface. I guess you could say. Yeah, and it wasn't even really that obvious. Like, in the first couple of quests of the Companions, right? I was surprised a little bit, you know, when the guy turns. Oh, yeah, I was totally you know, caught when you're off locked guard up. by that. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd done the whole werewolf thing before in mm-hmm. in Morrowind, the, the Blood Moon expansion, because okay. you become a werewolf. Interesting. Um, that, and that was, well, that was for her scene, you know, the, right, the Daedric yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince. Oh, sure. So that was quite good. So yeah, did, did you enjoy that, the Companions Guild? Yeah, and they have that, the thing with her scene in, I don't know if it's Falkreath or Morthal or whatever, one of the little towns where the dude killed the girl. I don't know if you got to that or Falkreath, not. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was cool because, you know, it's it's that thing of you know him kind of struggling with what he did and he thought he could control it and all. I mean, that's kind of a cliche when it comes to this sort of thing, Twilight. But yeah. I think that the incorporation of those elements makes it not something that's, you know, okay, lycanthropy is over here and it's this weird side thing, but rather here's something that shows up from time to time yeah, in the world. Yeah, but it's like fits in with the world. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, uh, now we should say off the bat that, of course, it's kind of silly, as it was with Oblivion, and I don't know about Morrowind, you can let me know, you know, where the main character ends up being the... Archmage of the College of Winterhold and the head of the Companions and the leader of the Thieves Guild and the, you know it's a little bizarre to have one person doing all those jobs. But yeah, in in Oblivion it was like that. In Morrowind, um, I think you couldn't join the Thieves Guild if you were already part of something. That's interesting. 
And in Morrowind, they, they had more guilds and they had the different houses for the Dark Elf tribes. Okay. And you couldn't okay. be in one and not the other. That's like, interesting. You could only choose one. Yeah. That makes sense. I think there 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 could be, you know, there, there's the exclusivity thing that could work out. You know, maybe the Dark Brotherhood doesn't want you if you're in with the bards or something. But yeah. I think that there... I think one of the things we ought to get away from in games is this idea that when you finish with a storyline, you're the champion of everything, or you're the emperor of the world, or whatever. And I think that is really what set GTA 4 apart from it, mm. from the series, is sure. when you finish GTA 4, you're not king of the city. Yeah, yeah. Did you finish GTA 4? I did not, no. But we should tell people there's going to be spoilers, because I don't mind if you tell me. Warning! Warning! <laughs> well, Warning! It's just... Whereas Rockstar said during the development that you're not going to go rags to riches, you're going to go rags to better rags. <laughs> nice. And th that's where uh, Bethesda haven't really quite caught up yet in that you can become the champion of the world and right. the champion of everything. Yeah. And you can just become the Don, the, you know, Don one. And it was the same in Morrowind as well. You could become literally a demigod. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And, I th and I like that part of GTA 4 where the, you're struggling to get higher. Right. And you don't quite reach the top, right? And right. I think that would that would suit uh, the Elder Scrolls quite well sure. if you just sort of reached a certain point in a quest line, yeah, or in a in a, in a structured uh, hierarchy, right? But you couldn't go any higher. And you know, in a way, this sort of and this is apropos of nothing again. But I was reminded of something when we were talking about comparisons to Fallout Three. One of the things about Fallout Three that I love more than anything is the fact that you could dramatically affect the existence of Megaton, and you could eradicate it from the map. Like, that was a remarkable thing about Fallout 3. And I think, I, I, you know, without wanting it to be the type of thing where, okay, yeah, you know, you defeat this Daedra and therefore his mountain goes away or whatever. I mean, that could be kind of interesting. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, having some sort of, you know, on a small scale, Fable did this with, I guess it was Fable 2, where you had the statues that you posed for. I just thought yeah. that was kind of cool to have, like, a physical manifestation in the game of something you've done. And you can do that in a way with houses and stuff in Skyrim, but I, I, I would kind of like to see that happen. And I suppose Oblivion also is a good example at the end of that, where you, you become this huge statue. Or I guess it's not you, but it's the, um, the dude yeah, see, fighting. Oblivion had a quest. I don't know if you ever come across it, where a town was being built. But it was being it was uh, halted because there was goblins warring. That sounds familiar. I don't remember. And it, I can't remember what it was called. It was like Cock Ridge or Cock Hedge or something. Okay. <laughs> and basically, you you, you took. Out I'd these love to two find tribes. out that the city has nothing to do with that name, and then you just have cock on the mind. Yeah, and then <laughs> anyway. you, you, once they're gone, that over like a couple of weeks or whatever, like a couple of houses spring up and an inn, and that's it. Hmm. And I think they sort of took that to the next level with Fallout Three. Yeah, right. When in the fact that it's not a case of building something. You literally right. eradicate something. And yeah, yeah. I don't think there is something like that in Skyrim or not that I've come across. I don't remember anything that's like that. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote a thing recently on Veteran Gamers about Rust and Minecraft, and I think the incorporation of building elements into games could be a very interesting thing. Because we've seen RPG elements become infused into lots of different games. And I think it could yeah. be very interesting. You know, we sort of saw it with Hearthfire, although I don't think that was really done very well. Yeah, I was well. just going to say Hearthfire was building, wasn't it? But yeah. 
on a on a miniature scale, you build the little things. I, yeah. I can see maybe bringing some RTS elements into a Skyrim game. Yeah, and I think be that, quite interesting. You know, there's a great mod called Build Your Own Home, which is you know a very good example of it. It's still kind of modular because Skyrim just doesn't have the infrastructure, obviously, that a thing like Minecraft would have. But I just mm. think it would be it will be cool because I do think we'll see more of this because we've seen a little bit of it. You know, that idea yeah. of yeah, like building things that then stay there for the rest of the game and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll um, talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah, what we see sure, for sure. the future. Yeah, right. What we might see in six. Um, so uh, the Thieves Guild, ironically enough, is one of the ones that. Uh, okay, I think the Thieves Guild has the best storyline. I guess you didn't finish that one either, huh? No, but I've heard it's it's very it's as good as the Thieves Guild in Oblivion, which I thought was really good. Now I'm having trouble remembering the Thieves Guild in Oblivion. I know you had to steal an Elder Scroll at one point. Yeah, it was for the Grey Fox, and you had to like... Grey um, Fox, that's right. Yeah, that was good. So, you know, all that sort of stuff, and then it turns out he goes back to his wife, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of a Dread Pirate Roberts type thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I think that... And, in fact, I played Oblivion before I ever saw Princess Bride for the first time. So when I saw Dread Pirate Roberts, I'm like, it's like the Grey Fox. And I'm like, other way around, dude. Yeah. But um, the, the the thing with the Thieves Guild is the story, I think, is good. The characters are very good. Um. And there's a, I think the most tender moment in the whole game is at the end of the Thieves Guild, which I won't tell you about, but people who've played it know what I'm talking about. But the thing that annoyed me about Thieves Guild, and again, PC Master Race, man, you have to get the quests at the end. You have to go get a quest in each of these different cities, and then they will eventually let you get, you know, there's sort of like a boss quest if that makes any mm. sense, and then you can, you know, you steal the big thing, and then that establishes you in that city, and the nice thing about it is you have a person in that, you have a fence with a lot of gold in that city from that point on, which is yeah. really handy, because if you steal a bunch of stuff, or even if you have stuff to sell, the other shops might not have a lot of gold, and you have to mm. wait a while or keep traveling around, whereas when you have a fence with a thousand gold, you can just go and dump everything to that person. See, I think I think it was the Thieves Guild that this was intended for, but I'm not 100% sure. But there, there was some cut content from the game that, again, is available in the creation kit huh. to add to create. And it involved sabotaging um, oh, nice. mills and shops and stuff like that. Cool. They should totally have put that in. I would love that. Yeah, there's like different st- there's different states that a mill can be in. It can be in like a sabotaged or broken state. That's very interesting. Um, and, you, and it effect, would have affected the economy in, yeah. the, uh, in the region. Huh. Again, that makes sense that they might have to cut that because consoles can only do so much. But um, that's what I mean, and they, 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 I think they sort of dug themselves deep with that eleven, eleven, eleven date as well. Right, right. Which I will say, when I, I, I remember thinking like, oh, dude, eleven, eleven, eleven. What a good way of you know sticking your release date into people's minds. But then of course yeah. you can't back out of that. It's actually yeah, going to be exactly. eleven, twelve, eleven, or whatever. And it's not like. Where other games, uh, you know, the announcement is made on Reddit and it stays there for six months. Yeah. This was like all over the world, right, all over right. the internet. It was on yeah. all the posters at Eurogamer and yeah. stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, so, because I, I remember, you know, you talk about the mills. I remember seeing the mills and like being able to go into them. And I think are, you might even be able to interact with them or something, but there's nothing to be done with them, really. Like, I thought at first maybe you could put wheat into them and make bread or whatever, but there's Yeah, see, I'm, I made a mod that does that. Oh really? See where you can make bread, uh, awesome. make wheat out of flour and stuff. Cool. From oh, the mills, but yeah, the, the, it was that whole sabotage and mini game, and there was stuff with uh, the business ledgers. You know, all the shops yeah, have yeah, a business yeah, ledger. Yeah. yeah. 
there was well, there, that, that, that actually like, is some of the stuff in um, the Thieves Guild at the end of the storyline. You they have these little mini quests for you to go on, and one of them is adjusting the ledgers. So the ledgers exist, and you sort of do interact with them, but it's not a very big deal. So yeah, it sounds like they were planning on doing other things with it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mis uh, misfinished stuff. There's a there's a yeah. mod out there called um, Cutting Room Floor by Arthmore, who's oh, one of the most revered modders sort of out there at the minute. All right, he's been doing it for years, and he's basically just finished some cut content that was fit like quests and stuff that wasn't finished. Cool, and released I it. Should, I should go check that out. Now, I didn't even touch the Dark Brotherhood at all. Really? In, Did uh, you ever Skyrim. encounter Cicero? But. Uh, in in oblivion, I thought the Dark Brotherhood quests were some of the best. Like the, oh, that yeah. house. Do you remember the house where you were tra- assassinating? People? Oh yeah, one at a time. Yeah, oh, I thought that beautiful. was amazing. I think that was written by like um, like like a I can't even remember his name now. It was written by a famous writer. Really. So, so for those who don't know, describe it a little bit. I'll see if I can find something on the internet. Uh, well, basically, you're tasked to be like a guest in this house and. Everyone's sort of staying there, and I think it's like a prize or something like that. And your job is to make sure everybody dies without ever getting found out. So you've got to, like, assassinate someone in their bed, but then make it look like someone else did it, or, like, people start pointing the finger at other people, and it's really, really clever and really well done how it's written. So I just found this on the Elder Scrolls Wikia, which I should be looking at the UESP one, Um, but it says it's based on... A uh, story by uh, Agatha Christie, which is very interesting, and the UASP doesn't have this, so I don't know if it's worth anything. But um, in the trivia stuff at the end, um, yeah, in which the people are described as an old maid, a military gentleman, blah blah blah. And another reference is that on the dinner table upstairs, there are six sweet rolls on the plate. In the novel, there are little figurines, one representing each of the invited guests, one of which would be mysteriously removed after each murder. So, there you go. Yeah. So, so what was the Dark Brotherhood like in Skyrim? So, the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim, I think, was um, not... I, I don't think that the missions were as good, although there's one where you have to kill a woman on her wedding day, which is... That's one of the ones that made me feel most uncomfortable, because mm-hmm. if anybody ever saw the TV show Oz, the worst person in that show... Well, one of the worst people uh, kills people on their wedding day, and that's how they set him up as being this horrible monster. But... Uh, the the thing I love about the Dark Brotherhood is that, you know, in Oblivion, the Dark Brotherhood, you, you're the listener, right? And the Night Mother comes to you and is like, I don't want you to do this, or whatever. Yeah. In Oblivion, in Skyrim, there's a character named Cicero, who is a, uh, I don't know if you ever saw him on the road, but you, you have a chance to interact with him before he ever shows up with the Dark Brotherhood. And he's this annoying jackass who's wearing a jester's hat, and he's like... Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. Good man will help Cicero. Mother will get to her destination. Is and he like, the one, did he have a broken cart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. And like, you don't realize it at the time, but he's transporting the Night Mother, and you get to see her, and she's this desiccated corpse, and at one point you get into the coffin with her, and it's the freakiest goddamn thing ever. <laughs> and uh, the first time I played it, actually, there was a bug, and someone's supposed to let me out of the coffin, and they the game just got stuck in this loop and I was like how long am I supposed to be in here this kind of sucks but I kept hearing things outside I'm like the game's not frozen but it was like uh, it was really creepy so anyway um, I think that what it did very well was A make you uncomfortable and B uh, persona bring that notion of the night mother out 
from just the it's like a statue or something in Oblivion, right? Yeah. It becomes this thing where like it's it's personified and like she doesn't move, like she's not an actual NPC, but she sort of is and there's is a really interesting atmosphere in the Dark Brotherhood uh sort of home base or whatever you want to call it. And there's this the best thing about the Dark Brotherhood I think is well, one of the best things is uh <clears throat> there's this little girl who's like when you first meet her this other person is saying like tell us the story about the person you killed and she's like oh yeah the one who and it sounds like clementine almost and she's like yeah he was like oh please don't kill me my children oh i'm so sad and you're like what the hell this little girl and then it turns out it's actually this like 200 year old like witch or something who's just you know taken into the body of a little girl or something it's really weird and it's but it's cool like it works because the dark brotherhood's supposed to be creepy and horrible and the rest of it so yeah um mage's college is probably the least compelling maybe of yeah the... i did a bit of that quest line it wasn't i don't know it just feels conventional like there's nothing wrong with it yeah you know? it didn't seem like it was very high fantasy it just seemed like really normal yeah it was like we we you know they there there are and the the shame of it is that i think the Mage's College obviously could be a place where you get into some really weird stuff because it's magic, man. It's supposed to be, like, freakish and bizarre. And in some ways, there are moments that are like that because there's these people that show up. I don't know if you know from the lore, but, like, the Sigic Order. Is that mm. something that's existed before? Do they create that for this? Or? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's existed before. Yeah, but... You know, they show up and, like, they'll stop time. So, like, you'll be in the middle of a conversation with someone and then the world will kind of freeze and one of the guys will show up and be like, do not be panicked. I am, you know, I only have a moment to speak with you or whatever. Um, And that's kind of interesting. And then at one point you have to talk to this person and he's, like, underneath the college. It turns out it's, like, you know, kind of like a weird void or something. And you're like, what? So that's kind of interesting. But it, it, I think overall the story is, like, you find this rock, you don't know what it's for. It ends up being a magical, you know, a very powerful magic thing. And then you have to kill someone who's trying to use the rock for evil. And it's like, okay, what the heck? Like, why is that this huge, I don't know. It it felt, especially compared to some of the stuff, even the Thieves Guild. You know, the Thieves Guild has this huge epic, you know, climax where you fight a dude in the middle of this Falmer ruin. And the rest of it, is, you know, the, the Mage's College by comparison feels very lackluster. So, mm. I don't know. I liked um, Winterhold. I thought Winterhold was quite interesting. It is. I thought they could have done more with Winter with Winterhold itself. Right. The city is, you know, and in a way, I kind of like the fact that it's not a huge metropolis the way that you know White Run or Solitude is, because it's clear that the Mages College did some nasty stuff that caused a lot of destruction, and therefore people are scared to live near it. So I kind of like that, but. It uh, I think they could have, yeah, like you said, they could have done other things as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. You might have had, like, yeah, imagine if you had, like, a bunch of imps living there. That could have been interesting or whatever. Um, The Bard's College is a pretty small, there's not, like, an actual storyline per se. There's just a bunch of quests that you can get from people at the Bard's College. And I think to, like, to a letter or to a man, they're all, hey, someone stole my drum or someone stole my flute or whatever it is, and you have to go kill bandits and get it back. Um, yeah. So there's nothing really exciting there. There is an interesting thing at the beginning where you have to find this poem, and then you have to help the guy rewrite it. So, I, I don't know. It's not great. And I, I was kind of sad that 
you know, I, with the Thieves Guild, when you get done with the Thieves Guild quest line, your pickpocketing will probably be pretty good, your lockpicking will be a lot stronger, your stealth will be good. And with the Bard's College, I thought, oh, here's a chance for me to develop my speech skill. And it really isn't. Like, there are people who can teach you and there are people who will train you, but by and large, it's just a building. Yeah. And, uh, so that's kind of a disappointment. So you probably did some of the Daedric quests. Um, yeah, the only one that quests. sticks out of mine, really, is Waking Nightmare and Dawnstar. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I, I, I thought that, that was really good. I like it. One of the things that's frustrating to me about it is that I was trying to save during the dream sequence, yeah. and it crashes if you try to save during that dream sequence. So for some reason, I had to play parts of that like five times before I realized, oh, you can't save during this dream sequence. And uh, yeah, so that, that caused me some aggravation. But it is a neat idea, and it's um, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's that just, it... It's just surprised me because... It... At the beginning, it just seemed really mundane, and you right. were going up to this nondescript sort of ruined tower. Yeah. And then it ended up with this whole history of uh, you know what happened in the past, and it was yeah. a struggle, and then you've got to go back, and it's just. I thought it was just really well done. I agree. And it stuck out, and some of the Daedric quests in Oblivion um, were just basically go kill this guy. Right. Right. You know, so I I, I thought that was a, a quite an improvement over previous games. Yeah, and I think it does a good job of that thing where you, you the, the the dream state of going sort of back in time and seeing what was going on when the dude enacted the I don't remember what they call it, you know, some sort of sleep state over the whole tower or whatever it is. Um mm. but it's that that I think is the closest Skyrim gets apart from Shiogarath's thing of the awesome mission in Oblivion where you go on the dude's painting I was just going to say, yeah, that troll painting one. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. awesome. I love that, and I thought they could have done something kind of similar in Skyrim, but of course they don't want to repeat themselves. Um, mm. But I do think that this is a somewhat similar in the fact that, like, yeah, you're going to another time and place, and, like, it's just an interesting little trip to another location. Yeah, it's just like, you know, this hill, you know, in nowhere, nothing's going on, but yeah. all this, hap- all, you know, all this stuff happened. Right. All this, all this lore. Yeah. And another quest that was really good, Daedric uh, quest, was the uh, the Drunken Knight. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That was, I thought that was fantastic. That was awesome. That's the one, when I described it to Chinny, he goes, because he had played the game a little bit, and he was like, I don't know, Skyrim, not really for me. And then I told him about that quest, and he's like, dude, I've got to play that quest. I, and I, I was just, I wasn't even planning, I was just spoke to oh, this guy course. in the inn. Yeah, they introduce it so beautifully. How about a drinking yeah. contest? Yeah, and I was like, "All right, let's get let's get pissed." And right, minute, and I thought, I'm "Okay, I'll win a hundred gold or something for this." Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I thought oh, one of us will, you know, pass out or something, right. and then or get dizzy. The screen will go a bit blurry. Yeah, but no, I'll wake <laughs> up in like Markarth, and at this point, I hadn't even been past Whiterun. I know, me neither. Absolutely. So I was like, I was a bit pissed off with that. I was like, I didn't want to see all this yet, <laughs> you know. And then you know, you're married to a fucking Hagraven. <laughs> It's just that crazy. was a great reveal, cause the cause you go to White Run and you say to the woman like, "Can you help me figure out what happened?" And she's like, "You were talking about this woman you love and this and that." And I'm like, "Really?" And she goes, "Yeah, maybe you can get the ring back or something." And I'm like, "All right." And I went looking. And I'm like, "Oh, it'll be a little village and there'll be a woman." And then you end up in the swamp and you're like, "What?" And then yeah. she comes out. Ah, my beloved is returned. <laughs> oh God. I was just thinking, shit, what did I do last night? <laughs> and they what never happened? and they never explain about the goat and I mean, you know, you obviously brought it to the giant or whatever, but 
It's just like, and people who haven't played this are like, what are you talking about? But yeah, that's, it's just that's such a beauty of it. It's, really it's just well one of them that just like comes out of nowhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. dungeons are like that as well as uh, you just think, oh, it's just this. You know, you don't think anything of it from the outside, and then yeah. it turns into this epic one-hour adventure. Oh sure. And sometimes that's awesome, but I remember one time I did that, and actually this is why I started asking that question back when about the monster you love fighting, because the monster I hate fighting the most are the Charis. Yeah, they piss me off. drive me fucking insane. And so it was early on that I realized once you see those farmer, you know, axes like stuck in the ground, I just started turning around and going back the other way. Because A, you'll probably deal with the Charis, you'll probably get poisoned, you might die, and B... The farmer don't tend to live in small little caves that will take you ten minutes to clear. They tend to live in Black Reach and huge goddamn caverns that have seventeen levels. And yeah, they just became. Yeah, you don't want to be going into a farmer then when like your encumbrance is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got ten extra pounds. I can get a few things out of here. No, you can't. Yeah. Did I you mean, do? That's one thing as well that was really good, interesting about the the farmer. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. their history because they used to be elves, didn't they? Right. Did you play the Dawnguard? DLC? Uh, no, but I played a bit of it. Okay, because you I, meet I a really snow impressed. elf actually in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that stuck out for me for Dawnguard was uh, was the the art. I really liked yeah. the castle and the oh, armors yeah. and the weapons. And yeah, all that absolutely. Stuff. They did it. That's the one thing because I felt like the stories in Dawnguard were, eh, but I felt like the castles were well done. I felt like you go to this other mountainous area and that was pretty good. Like the different yeah, locales. I liked that area, so. the Forbidden Valley or yeah, Forgotten yeah, Valley, yeah, Forgotten yeah. Vale. Right. And that's where, that was the first time I ever said, like, okay, I really need to be developing my archery skills, because you can't, you know, if you you can do it with a sword, obviously, but you have to wait until you're right up next to, like, seven Falmer at once or whatever, so. Yeah. Um, did you do Boethia's Calling at all? Boethia's Calling? Yeah. Mm, so this know. is the one where, and this was another one of those where I felt really horrible doing it. In fact, I didn't do it the first time through. I couldn't. You ha- It's, like, she's the... Uh, Daedric prince, uh, princess of uh, like deception and stuff. So like you have to get a someone like a follower, someone who's loyal to you, and then like sacrifice them. Yeah, like, sacrifice you, them. You tie them to a pole and like you cut their heart out. And I'm like, oh no, because I couldn't do it. I I couldn't think of anybody except like Lydia or one of my house carls, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that to one of my house carls. <laughs> and then it- later I realized like you, there's lots of ways to get people to follow you, but. Yeah, you can just some some people you just speak to them. Oh, I'm bored, and you go, yeah. "Why don't you follow me?" Right, right, exactly. It reminded me of Fable Two because I've sacrificed a lot of people in Fable Two. I don't remember you... sacrificing people in Fable Two. Yeah, I sacrificed my wife and everything. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you could take people to like this. It was very similar to like the Dark Brotherhood, like underground. Oh, I know what thing. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. And yeah, I, yeah. I you just take him out in the like, middle there. of nowhere or something. And, then, yeah. but, and Peter Molyneux was saying in interviews, like he, he wanted it so you drag them there or take them there, and like you right. hold the hand, don't you, and you pull them in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. Quite, quite brutal, actually. Kind of, I shouldn't really yeah, have enjoyed it as much as I did. Right. Well, that's the thing. Is it <laughs> lets you sort of gaze into the abyss of your own demonic... Yeah, gaze into the void of what your life right. is. Right. Um, speaking of which, the, the other one that made me feel so horrible was... Um, the uh, Mace of Molog Ball, the House of Horrors in Markarth. Yeah, his quests are always interesting. Yeah. I don't remember which one he had in Oblivion. But anyway, uh, this one in Skyrim is, uh, you you, dra- you know, you, you basically get locked in a house with a Vigilant of Stendar, and then you, have, you either kill him or he's going to kill you, and 
you're not going to go down without a fight. So you end up killing him, and then he's like, go get my champion or whatever. And you have to go fight through a load of bandits and then get him out. And then you bring him back, and then dude, like, traps him in this cage. And he's like, beat him to death. And you're like, what? You have to, like, beat him to death. Like, you can't leave the house. And there's no other way to progress unless you beat him to death. And it's just like, oh, God, this guy's a defenseless old man. I'm supposed to beat him to death with this mace. And mm. then, uh, yeah, so I don't know. That felt kind of brutal. But uh, The talking dog quest was quite good as well. I like the talking dog quest, yeah, yeah. I, that, that caught me off guard too because it starts out as like, where's my dog? And you help me find my dog. And you do. And then he's like, listen, I need your help. My master needs me. And it's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. It was vamp- it's vampires, isn't it? it I is. ended up killing loads of vampires. I think I oh, caught yeah. vamp- vampires these like ten times. Yeah. In that quest. Yeah, yeah. And he's like the dog. You know the the what is his clavicus vile? Like he's he he's like okay now kill the dog. And he, I was like no, he's loyal to you. Be cool, dude. And he's like all right, I'll I'll let him come back to me. And I was like yes. And that felt good at the end of that. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't want to go through all of these, but uh, I did like the Shiogarath one. Now, I never got very far into the Shivering Isles, but people tell me, especially Stuart, that it's like the best thing ever. Um, so, I, I, but I did like the, you know, he's a great character, obviously, Shiogarath. And, uh, yeah, yeah he, he is. He's one of the, he's one of the, the better, more interesting ones because, yeah. you know, he's, he's not predictable. Right, right. That's the yeah, exactly. Like you know, there's the Mayrune's Razor one with Mayrune's Dagon, where dude said he's in Dawnstar, I think, where he's got the museum. And yeah, he's it's like, in Dawnstar. Yeah, yeah, this is the the Mythic Dawn was a great group of people, and I'm like, no, they weren't. They fucking sucked. Your ancestors destroyed <laughs> the whole world. I had to. I ah. So when he's like, I want to rejoin this Razor, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, because I knew exactly what would happen as soon as he gets it working again. It's like, yeah, people jump out and kill you. So, um, yeah. So that's the Daedric quests. Uh, the Divine quests. There were like four of them, and I don't even really remember them. Um, the Book of Love. Eh, these were boring. The the restoring the tree was all right in White Run. You probably did that one, huh? Restoring the tree. Yeah, uh, the tree of what's the, its name? The Gilder. I don't remember Green. what it's called. The Gelder tree or something. Yeah, yeah, Gilder Green. Gilder Green. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was cute. Although I must say, like. Again, when I went to get the tree sap the first time, I felt bad because I'm like, oh, dude, it's just a lovely tree, you know? And in a way, I don't think it is, you know, most of the time when you are fighting people, it's clear that they're evil, right? But in that case, I think that the Spriggans that show up are not necessarily evil. They're just mad that you're messing with their tree, and they have every right to be. Spriggans are annoying. They are. They are. But but at the same you know, in the same way that okay, like giants, they won't come lurching after you unless you get too close to their mammoths. And then it's on and they're gonna mess you up to teach you a lesson. And I think that the Spriggans work the same way, like, hey, we, we run this forest, you people took over all the rest of this land, let us have our little forest pockets and uh yeah, our groves. With. Yeah, yeah. Which in the in Morrowind they, they die and come back to life three times. Really? That's annoying. Yeah. Because that's the thing with Spriggans is that, you know, in Skyrim they like they huddle down and then they suddenly have, you know, their full health again or whatever. Mm. So. In in Morrowind you got to kill them three times and they're quite tough as well. Yeah. And they're only on Solstheim. Yeah. So there's lots of other side quests and I don't want to go through all of these obviously because I'm not Stu, um, but I will say that I found the Forsworn conspiracy interesting in Markarth. Did you do that one at all? Or I did you... a bit of the Forsworn stuff. Yeah. I th- yeah. 
going into Markarth and um, that oh yeah, because it starts with the dude killing the woman. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, Jesus, yeah. what's going on? It is Beheadings, shocking. murders in the street. Yeah, and 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 it was like my third playthrough that I thought to myself, wait a minute, I wonder if I can stop it. And you can, you can save her. You can stop the dude from killing her. But can you? It, yeah, and interestingly enough, when I first got to Solitude, because there's a public execution there when you first come in there, right? Yeah. When, the, when I first went in there, I was convinced that I could stop that, which doesn't make sense, but... I was jumping up on the thing and like going after the dude, and of course you go after a guard. That's it, right? Everyone comes after yeah. you with everything. So, but it never occurred to me until like my third playthrough, like I said, with Mortha uh, in uh, Markarth, that you could stop that dude from killing the woman on the street. I recently now, saw that today. Actually, on I started a new playthrough, and so I might load it on a previous save and then yeah. to try that because I just sort of stand there and watch. Oh, well, it's so shocking. It totally catches you off guard. And mm. um, yeah, I didn't have time to think. Even the time when I was like, hey, I bet I can stop that from happening, I was like, oh, I got to make sure I do it right and uh, whatever. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, you eventually get sent down into the mine and, you know, you have nothing, which is kind of, I always find that kind of interesting when you're stripped of everything and sent somewhere else. Because um, that happens in the main storyline, too. You go to the, um, what is it, the Thalmor Embassy for that party. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you you know, you, you say, she says, or I guess one of the people says, like, give me only what you need inside there, but you can give them everything you have if you want. So, like, I'll make sure your supplies are in the case, and it's like everything you've ever owned is, like, waiting in the case. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, it's the type of thing where you know you'll get it back. Like, as soon as they sent me down into the mine, I knew I was going to get that stuff back, so it wasn't a real panic. But it is interesting to suddenly find yourself without all that awesome armor you've had all the and and when you fight your way out, like there's some spiders and you know monsters you got to deal with, and you suddenly don't have anything except for a shank and you know your magic. So um, it's yeah. weird as well because you find yourself realizing how much crap you actually bring around with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like umpteen amounts of books that you think, oh, I'll read that in a bit, or I'll right. read that later. Yeah. <clears throat> I got to be honest, I never really read any of the books. I mean, some of them I started, especially like there's. What is it? Beggar, Thief, Warrior, you know, whatever, that, that series. I read some yeah. of that, but, and, and it's weird because for someone who loves reading as much as I do, a goddamn English teacher, you'd think I'd be way into the reading, but something about video games, like the text in games, I just don't read a lot of it. See, it, some of the books are good for law. They're just uh, basically, right. that's where all the law comes from. You, sure, you sure. read it in those books, so. Yeah. But that's sort of breaking the fourth wall because you can read them on the internet or you can read sure. them on in the game. Did you see that post where the dude took all the books in Oblivion and made them into like a single bound volume? It's unbelievable. No. You got to see it. It's amazing. It looks like a book you would find in the game. And it's like, it's got all the books and it's just beautiful. I wish yeah. the dude, could, I mean, I suppose it's somebody's intellectual property, so he can't sell them online. But I mean, Bethesda is missing a trick here, right? I hope that at some point they will release them themselves because everybody who loves these games, and there's a lot of us, I mean, they have them already written. All they would need to do is collect them and pr publish them. I, yeah. I don't understand why they haven't done that yet. I know, I mean... Because I might like read them in that case. editions and stuff. Like, I've got yeah. the Elder Scrolls Anthology sat here now. I fucking love it. Yeah, sure. And I've got me, me Skyrim um, official game guide, which I got with the game. Nice. Did you get... Sure. Actually, we didn't even talk about this. Did you get the sort of special edition with the wall and everything? No. 
Yeah, I didn't either. And I, in a way, I kind of wish that I had, but I never know when a game's coming out if I'm going to love it enough to get the special edition. So even Fallout 3, I never got the special edition because I expected to love box. it. Yeah, but I eventually did. And so uh, there was some offer on Amazon where they had, I guess, a load of extras or something, and they were like yeah. 20 bucks for the whole thing. And I was like, dude, that's worth it just to get the lunchbox. So, yeah. But then that's also useful. Like, you can use that. Like, that's become my purse. Like, I got to be honest. Originally, I would sometimes take my lunch in it, but now it's just like I got my sunglasses in there. I'll put an apple in there when I'm on my way to school or whatever. And uh, anyway, that is nothing to do with Skyrim. So, yeah, it is a man purse. It really is. Um, okay, so in Morthal, there's the house fire. I don't know if you came across that where you got to figure out why the dude burned his house down and killed his family. No, I didn't really spend much time in Morthal. Yeah. I kind of just ignored it. Yeah, there's not much going on there. That's pretty much the only real quest, but it's an interesting one. It's pretty short, and you know exactly what it is as soon as you figure it, you know, as soon as you come upon it. But uh, there's some cool stuff. There's like a ghost child that tells you what's going on, and, and she's like, uh, the woman kissed me on the neck, and you're like, vampires! All right, I know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in Riften, uh, you meet Mjol the lioness, who I think she's a really cool character. Yeah, I like Riften. There's a lot of interesting quests going on there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you have um, the horse, the, the thing where you can get the horse back. I thought that was kind of cool. And then the lexicon. Did you do that one with the lexicon? That one was Yeah, the lexicon. I like that. The, the, the special gem. Yeah, because the person just comes up to you and they're like, I can't have it anymore. You take it. Take it back to where it came from. You're like, what are you talking about? And they do that thing. This is in the Mages Guild as well where... Like, when you go through the Dwemer Ruin, the ghosts of the people will show up, and, like, they'll talk about, like, I can't believe we're going in here, and, and they tell the story that way through the ghosts, which I think that is pretty a, effective. That was a brilliant quest. Is that the one where you go through the house, and then everything starts, like, going all, like, possessed? Like, uh, it's a No, I think that might be the Molog Ball one. I remember one where you're in a house, and um, all, like, the pans and stuff start flying around, and then... You've got to go through the ruin, and you you see in flashbacks of the past of people going through the ruin. This is in Skyrim. Yeah, I don't remember a house with pans flying around. Yeah, wow, you, maybe you go a place in. I, and found. I think it might be in Markarth. Okay. Huh. That might be worth looking at because that was really interesting because the screen goes all red and stuff, and then you've got to go around the back of the house. Interesting. And then down into a ruin, and you see the, like these ghosts of people like arguing, and then like you go down further, and you see something else happen. Huh. I can't believe I don't know this. Yeah, I mean that was one of the very early things I ever did, so I could have, oh, yeah, I could no. just be gelling like three quests is it together. The long, ex- the lost expedition. Does that sound right? Possibly, yeah. Automated um, defenses, Calselmo, huh? I guess I haven't encountered this. Whoa, that's so weird. Again, there you go. That's how big the game is. Yeah, yeah. and the the uh, Red Eagle was quite a good quest as well. Yeah, yeah, Red Eagle is good. I like that one. That one. Was that good. was like a little. Um, that was just like a, a little quest. It's not even that big, but it's no. just... It's, but it's a cool little thing. Like, And that's the thing is that, yeah, if they wanted to put... like, it could, You could tell that what their thought process was is, like, we're going to make this special sword. And they wouldn't just make the sword. They're like, let's put a little story to it. And then they yeah, let's, let's let's give the player like something to do for yeah. 40 minutes or something. And I remember one of the times I went exploring once and I came upon a, like a, you know, a tower that had fallen over or something, right? And like... There was nothing there. It was just a tower that had fallen over. And I was like, damn it, why didn't they put something here too? Because I had gotten so used to seeing if you found something that existed, you expected to find a story with it. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just think that yeah speaks very well to stuff. So all right, other side quests. Um, Solitude, the lights out. Did you do that one where the dude's like, yeah, make this boat run aground? No, I didn't and, spend a lot of time in Solitude. That's a cool one, just because you, you you know it's not shocking, but he betrays you, and then you have to end up sort of doing this other thing. And then Potema, I guess you probably know her because she's heavy in the lore. Um, there's a quest yeah. where you have to go find. There's like a cave that weird lights have been reported in, and then you find out that people have been worshiping her, and then you have to actually confront her at the end of the quest. And they do a good job of waiting until your sophisticated level. Because if you they send you out, you find the first part when you're usually like level seven or eight, but you can't confront Potema herself at that point. So they wait until later on. Mm. It's like with the um the white vial. I don't know if you did that in uh, Windhelm, but you know you find the file at the beginning of the game, and then at a certain point, I don't know exactly when they do it, but once you clear a certain part, I think of the main quest or something, the courier will show up and say, "Hey, I have a letter for you." You know. Blah, blah, blah. And the letter says, like, I think I have a way to fix the white file or whatever it is, you know. And then they then they say, okay, we'll send you on the next part of this quest, which is cool. I I like that way of breaking it up. Yeah, that that's what's good about Skyrim. Uh, technically, uh, from the creation kit, a lot of quests start uh, when after events happen. Yeah. And you can script it like that, and you can have them pop up. And the couriers used a lot for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um. Yeah. There's the woman in white run who's running from the. Uh, uh, the, the Al Qaeda or whatever it is. Yeah, the the Red Guard woman. That was yeah. one of the first ones I did. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool because you again, you know, you think it's a clear cut case of some poor woman being you know chased for no good reason, and then you hear the other guy's point of view, and they're like, you don't know who that woman is. Like she sold us out, and it, I don't think it's clear what the right choice is. I never felt comfortable yeah. either way I went with it. Yeah, I think I I decided to keep a secret, I think. Yeah, I did too, because there's something about a woman hiding that makes me think, like, all right, I I can trust her. But then the one time I said no, uh, I sold her out. And they're like, okay, look, you know, tell her you're going to bring her to another town or something, and then we'll jump on her on the road. And they basically do, like, behind the stables. And she's like, Mm. what is this? And she turns to you, and she's like, how could you? And you're like, oh, man, don't look at me like that, lady. I'm sorry. Yeah, but she could be a scumbag. Like it's not clear exactly what's going on there. So I don't know. Um, and then the missing in action one I thought was really good. I like that one where the dudes, the woman, the gray mane, I guess she is. Her son's gone, and uh, she he's being held by the Thalmor, and it's yeah, it's like way up in the corner of the map. And I remember when I first, you know, because it's in White Run, so it's one of the first things you come across. And I was like, yes, I will go get him. And I I went racing off there. And there's a lot of Thalmor there, and I was not ready to deal with them. So I got stomped the first time I did it, and I was like, all right, I will go back there in about ten levels. It reminded me a little bit of just sort of an upgraded version of that quest in Oblivion where that um, woman's daughter get, goes missing, and she's tied up in hack dirt. Uh, I vaguely remember hack dirt. But I, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Hadn't she, like, joined a cult or something? I'm not sure. Or was she been kidnapped? I think she was kidnapped to be sacrificed or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and, the, and, and like I remember when I played daughter. that in a, you know, I played that in Oblivion. I remember thinking like, we've got to get out of here. Like I felt the pressure was on. Like they were right behind us or something. And I don't think they yeah. were, but they did a good job of creating that feeling of let's let's make it out of here. Let's book it or leg it, I guess as you would say. Yeah. Like um, 
Blood on the Ice. I think Blood on the Ice might be my favorite quest in the whole game. Did you do that one in Windhelm? No. It's a whodunit. It, it, and there's people being killed, and you have to try to figure out who did it. And it's not a very sophisticated whodunit, but I really like the fact that, you know, for instance, you have to tra- follow a trail of blood uh, from the crime scene. And it's such an obvious trail of blood that it's amazing that, you know, it's just ridiculous that nobody else saw the blood go right to this one house. But you follow it, and then you have to get into the house, and that's a sort of mini quest on its own. And then... Yeah. You you have to go through the house, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can interact with in much the same way as L.A. Noir has, you know, 50 things in the house you can look at. You have to make sure you eventually look at the right one. Um, and, you know, you eventually find some clues, but it's not quite clear where they lead. And uh, I just think it, it was it was unexpected because I didn't expect to find a whodunit in the middle of this game. So. Do you know what? I think I might have, I might have done this one. That's, uh, it's that blonde woman, isn't it? The Like the... I met her as like a barmaid in Windhelm before she got murdered. Yeah, yeah. I felt dead bad. Right, right, exactly. And again, you that's one where you can prevent it, the final murder, you can prevent it from happening if you catch him in time. But once she starts going, somebody help, it's almost too late. So if you're not in the right place at the right time, you probably won't be able to prevent it. So it's just yeah. that that thing of being able to prevent it makes it so urgent. Because, again, I did it and I assumed, oh, okay, this is going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And then for some reason I was looking at it online. I was like, if you do this, you can prevent it. And I was like, oh, don't tell me what I need to do. And I went running back and like restarted it. I'm like, oh, i got to stop it. And I did. And I felt like a hero. I was like, yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Um, yeah, and that's most of it. I mean, you know, there's obviously little things here and there. Um, the dude who lost the golden claw, and we didn't even talk about those sliding door puzzle things. Um, but, I mean, we could be Yeah, that, that was one of the things that was, I loved about the game when I first played it, was that mm-hmm. puzzle in the, somewhere in the tundra where you've got to put the, the pillars in the right way, and then, like, that trap door opens up the cage yeah. on the floor. yeah. Just yeah. little things like that, little puzzle things. They are good. And, I mean, you know, there's a great comic I saw early on when the, the guy goes, the, I've had this claw in my family for three generations. It has something to do with this door, but we can't quite figure it out. And then the final panel of the comic is the dude holding it up right next to the, you know, the sliding things on the door. And he's like, really? You can't figure this out? Because he's got <laughs> the three things on the claw. But I think that it, it it took me a minute when I was doing it for the first time. I was like, okay, there's things here. I don't know. And I didn't even, you know, I was looking at the claw and I didn't realize there were images on it. I'm like, oh. And this is before I could realize that you could zoom in. So I was like yeah, trying to spin peer stuff at, around and all yeah, that. I was peering at it. I'm like, what is that? And Almost said like a CSI game, didn't it? Yeah, in a way. I, I think, and again, that's a thing where they could have easily made it like push a button and the door opens. But they thought, let's add a little something extra. And yeah. yeah, it works. Um, okay, so just real quick, uh, Dawnstar and Dragonborn, I don't know how much you played of either of these. Uh, I didn't really touch Dawnstar much. Yeah. Dragonborn, I did a lot of exploring. Okay, and that's interesting because you had played Morrowind, so I'm sure Solstheim felt like kind of going home in that sense. It's the o- only reason I was looking forward to Dragonborn. Okay. Dragonborn was because I got to, got to go back to Solstheim. I wanted so you'd to been see to the Island of Solstheim before then? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and how does the island itself... So that's interesting because that's a place that you'd been before. I don't know that they've ever done that. I can't think of another game even where they've done that between two different episodes or two different games in a series. Um, GTA. 
in oh, San that's Andreas, right. yeah, you yeah, have to go back to go Vice City, Vice don't City, you? Vice City, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, not Vice City, sorry, you guys go back to... Is it GTA F- Vice City? I don't know, I can't remember. There One are the some GTA games where you go back to different places. Yeah, but I mean, the Solstein was... It was very reminiscent of the original Solstein from okay. Morrowind. Alright. Um... Just the landscape and stuff. The, yeah. it, I mean, obviously, it was like completely overhauled, but right. it was very familiar. Like I was yeah. walking around, it's very familiar. The ma- main difference, obviously, is that the is the red mountains erupted, so yeah. there's ash everywhere. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, in Morrowind, you know, Solstheim is very. It's very, It's starting out as a small community. There's a mm. fort on there. I think it's called Fort Frostmouth. Okay. And there's that, and a small, tiny mining sep- settlement that's starting up. And that's the only empire's influence, other than a village up in the north or a couple of Nord, uh, Nord village and stuff like that, yeah. and some ruins. That's all that's there. Whereas it, in Skyrim, obviously, there's there's much more of a populace going on because it's yeah, a, yeah. you know, it's, it's years later. Were those little, I don't even know what they're called. Those little dudes that you meet on Solstheim, you know, the little guys are like Reiklings. Yeah, they were. They were in the original then. Yeah, they had They had them. They had polar bears. Polar bears. That was the first time that they were in Elder Scrolls game. All right. Um, Boars. Because uh, I, I, when I came upon them in the Dragonborn DLC, I thought it was a little weird at first, and then I fell in love with them. I'm like, these guys are awesome. And then the dude's like, "You challenge me, you fight me." I'm like, I don't want to fight you, but then like he won't let it go. Like you have to fight him. And I was like, dude. And then they just showed up sometimes. Like I'd be fighting, you know, Falmer or whatever, and suddenly here comes six of those guys. Like. See, I don't remember ever speaking to them in Morrowind. They were just sort of an enemy. Yeah. Um, the hawkers were introduced first for, for Solstheim as well, okay. so okay. the hawkers were there. Um, the Udafrict was there as well. What's that? The Udafrict is like a it's like a massive troll sort of monster thing. Okay. Uh, you fight at the Udafrict matron, which is its mum in Oblivion. Oh, okay. In a I quest, guess I don't you go. That. It's uh, if you go up to the very highest peak or something in the top right of the map huh. there's like a journal of someone who's been hunted by the Udafric matron and is trying to find it and then you turn around and she's there and then you fight her rock on um, so yeah it was it was very reminiscent of, of the Solstein from Morrowind except it was all ashy yeah uh, they didn't have any obviously it didn't have any ash monsters or anything right. um, but it was much more of a real more real world place because in Morrowind you have uh, like the Netches and all this sort of stuff yeah, yeah. and the Nyx hounds and then once you go to Solstheim, it's all um, uh, wolves and polar bears and right, stuff like that. Right. That's interesting. And I felt like, I mean, the sense I got, and and you've basically confirmed this, is that it must have been sort of a kick or a, a look back at stuff they had made before because it felt so not undeveloped, but, you know, just differently developed from the stuff that's in Skyrim itself because it felt like. Suddenly, here is you know Skyrim is so diverse, and all the different places have such a different feel to them. And then here comes this place that's like gray and beige, and that's it. But I guess yeah. they had to do that because that's what that place was after the mountain erupted. Yeah, I mean, I thought everyone was made up sort of in the community when they re- announced that it was going to be coming because yeah. everyone was like just made up to be able to go back to Solstheim, right? Um, and just to see what had happened because. Obviously, the the events in in Vardenfell with the 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 meteor hitting and making the mountain erupt and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so everyone was quite interested in that. And I, when I went there, I was really impressed with just the detail yeah. of all the like the Redoran strongholds and the oh, houses sure, sure. and stuff. Yeah, it was clear that they had put a lot of work into the the way it looked. And I think, especially when you start getting into, I remember his name, but you know, Mora, Hermanus Mora, whatever his name is, like. His yeah. domain looks fascinating, and it's really interesting, and there's the books everywhere, and of course, as an English teacher, bibliophile nerd, I love that part of it. But I felt like the story and the characters weren't really that well-defined or interesting. So. Yeah, I think they just sort of went there, probably because it's close by to Skyrim, but also yeah. I think they did want to just, let's do something cool, what people might enjoy. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, like, and, and, and it's a special thank you to the people who have been in love with the game for a long time. Mm. You know, so that if you know you if if in the next installment there's a chance for you to like I don't know what take a day trip to Kavach or something like that would be really cool for people who played Oblivion because they're like we've nearly rebuilt it entirely or whatever it is like that yeah. could be a cool. Nod I mean, to those Blood little... Moon was the the Blood Moon expansion, which was Solstheim and Modern, was probably the best part of the whole game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Going yeah, to yeah. Blood Moon and doing that quest line, it was probably the best part of the game. Yeah, that's cool. It was really good. It was very much like a sort of Night's Watch. Game of Thrones type thing. Nice, nice. Well, um, that's about all I have to say about Skyrim at this point. It's only been, you know, two and a half hours, so it's surprising that we've run out of things already. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit here at the end about what we'd like to see or what we think might be coming in the Elder Scrolls Six. First of all, have you touched the Elder Scrolls Online at all? Uh, the beta, yeah. yeah. Uh, how long did you play Downloaded that? the beta. I'll be doing it. I think I've just got to add an email about another one coming up oh, okay. soon. Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, have you tried it yet? I played it for like half an hour, and I was so turned off that I just said, I just can't. I just don't want to invest the time. And I know See, that in a way that's not fair because sometimes half an hour isn't enough to mm. you know give a game to really get a sense of it. But it felt so generic. More than anything else, it just felt really generic. Yeah, if you've played... World of Warcraft or Lord of the Rings Online or something. Yeah. yeah. It is very similar. The only difference is the fact that where it's set, and I think they've done a good job of making it look like it's set in the same universe as the Elder Scrolls. It does, but in a way that was what was most disappointing because I ended up, you know, they kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's depending on your character or if it's luck, like where they kind of drop you. But It depends on your faction, I think, which okay. side you choose, which race you are decides what side you're on. Right, because I don't think I consciously did this, but I ended up in a place that was near Skyrim or in Skyrim. Mm -hmm. So, like, I felt like it was an attempt to kind of make something that was sort of like Skyrim, but it was all so... For instance, there was one quest that I had to go to where it was get this thing from a dragon priest. Now, first of all, to be interacting with a dragon priest, I was thinking, huge fight, I'm not ready for this, oh my god, I'm going to die. But yeah. it was just an NPC. He was just a dude like, hey, what do you want from me? I mean, he didn't say, hey, what do you want from me? But it was like, what quest, do you know, what purpose do you have seeking me out or whatever? And I was, yeah. and it became like, I need to get the thing for the other dude. And he was like, here you are. And that was the end of it. And I'm like, that's not how I interact with dragon priests. They hate me and they try to murder me and they usually succeed. I think it's just because of the the time. They, they've been very selective and very careful about which time they yeah. want to set this game in and set the story in. Because it's a different time. I think it's like 2,000 years before Skyrim happened. Yeah. Or 1,000 years before. Right. And I mean, so that's, a lot, a that's fine. I just, I just feel like 
that they don't have the ability and maybe they don't have the time or the money or whatever to make it as deep as I want it to be. Like I wanted another Skyrim and I know I shouldn't have been expecting that, but Mm. it felt like when I went into that little cavern, for instance, you know, when you're in a cavern in Skyrim, like you said, sometimes it'll be a 10 minute thing. Sometimes it'll be a two hour exploration, but Mm. it was one room and like there was a bookshelf and you could, you know, explore bookshelf and there were like three books on it, but it wasn't anything you could read, you know what I mean? And, like, there wasn't... It just felt empty. Like, there was... The surface elements were there, but that was it. And it just... I was disappointed by that. I'm not holding up much hope, and it's not going to be, like, a game that I think I'm going to love. Yeah. Purely because it's a different mechanic. and I'm in love with the mechanic of what The Elder Scrolls is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do like the story and the lore and the setting as well, See, so... If I if I knew more about that, I'd explore yeah, yeah. the whole of Tamriel, right. go to the different places that we haven't been yet. Sure, sure. And I can see that being very appealing. And I think that if I knew more about the lore, maybe I would be more into it. And it, look, don't get me wrong. If and when it goes free to play, I will probably jump in and spend a lot of time in it. But yeah, I'm not looking to spend the money right now. So see that that sort of leads into where we're gonna what we're talking about next is what yeah. we think the series is gonna sort of be. Where, what we what what we want to see coming up. Sure. Valenwood would be a really interesting place. Okay, so for those uh, who don't know, including me, where is that? Valenwood, on the continent of Tamriel, is in the southwest region. Okay, it's it's it borders Cyrodiil and elsewhere. I was gonna say it's sort of like across Cyrodiil from Skyrim, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And and it's where the Wood Elves are from. Uh huh. And they have cities that are massive trees that that move around the country. Nice. And well, have we, we ever seen anything about it, or do we know anything about it? Or We only know from the lore, from the books in the game. Okay. Um, I think it's called uh, Felinesti. It's like a really famous. I think it's like the you. capital. And you. it's just like a base giant tree, because they, they revere trees in Valenwood and stuff. Right. They don't chop wood or anything like that, as far as... some, th- Or they don't kill huh. certain cool. things. They're like really Mother Earth type. In Valenwood, anyway, when they go outside, they can do whatever they want yeah, in other yeah. provinces. So I think that might be quite an interesting place to uh, yeah. uh, to go, and so would um, the Argonian place as well. That's um, damn it. Elsewhere is where the Khajiits are from. Yeah, elsewhere is like. Um, are the Argonians from Somerset Isle? No, Somerset Isle is the High Elves. Okay. I think um, Argonia is what it's called. Oh right, uh, Black, <laughs> sorry, uh, Black Marsh. Black Marsh. Okay. Well, I yeah, think yeah, it, yeah. it's called Argonia in like right. another game or something. It's gotcha. basically like just a massive swamp. Yeah. Because we we go a little bit into that with uh, Oblivion. Like yeah, there's that the, Black in the, Marsh in the southeast. It was more. There was the marshy group of like stuff. mercenaries or something from there, I think. And the Argonians are re- have got a really interesting history as well. Yeah. Um, when the the Oblivion Crisis happened, it didn't just happen. In the lore, it didn't just happen in Cyrodiil. It happened everywhere. Okay, interesting. Um, and when it happened in... Well, when it happened in Cyrodiil, what happened? Everyone panicked, didn't they? Um, the Deja swarmed out and stuff. There was chaos, and it was like the end of the world. Right. When it happened in Black Marsh, basically the gates opened and the Argonians just went in and fucked them up. Right. And that's nice. it. That The Argonians just took care of it. That's sweet. And they're quite an interesting race, and they... They kind of, I think they sided with Morrowind in a war against the Nords or something hmm. in the in previous years as well, before they were enslaved, because they used to be slaves in Morrowind. Yeah, yeah. The Argonians, there was slavery in, in the Morrowind game, and it was the Argonians that were slaves. Huh, 
Interesting. See, so, yeah, that's one thing I think. In a way, we got a little bit of de- de- delineation in Skyrim. Like, I never thought of the Khajiit as being anything other than just like, okay, they're cat people. But uh, I and, and you know, this is probably on me because I never really explored the lore. But with the Khajiit having to always be like on the outskirts of the towns, you know what I mean? Like that felt like an interesting, you know, vi- you know, bringing to life of the conflict between the Khajiit and the other types of characters. Mm. And I don't there's, feel like we have that history. with Argonians. Yeah, the the Argonians are like um, there's there's a lot happened with the Argonians over the years, and they yeah. their their countries changed a lot. I think their borders have changed as well with uh, Morrowind and stuff. I think they actually invaded Morrowind. Interesting. At some point in the past as well. Yeah. Um, another place that might be quite interesting to go would be um, Hammerfell. That's which where... Is, which is where the Red Guards. Red Guards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guards are from sure. Hammerfell. That might be quite an interesting place. And I'm looking I'm at just the map trying to now. think of places to the that would be interesting of to see. Cyrodiil, so, yeah. yeah, it would be interesting, I think. And in a way, part of me says, like, okay, you know, because in the same way that, you know, I think of Bruma as being in the north part of Cyrodiil, it made me think, okay, that's the snowy northern reaches. But you look at Riften, that's not in the mountains, and that's north of Bruma. So it kind of doesn't make sense from a geographical point of view. Um, but of course, you can have higher elevations and lower elevations. So, yeah, I don't, whatever. That's not really relevant to future discussions. But um, yeah, I, think, I um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that they're more than likely working on Fallout Six. Uh, sorry, Fallout Four Fallout now. Fallout Four, of course. Yeah, that's the next one up. Certainly. And then, just purely given the fact that how much money they've probably made off Skyrim, you can almost guarantee that they're going to make another Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Yeah. And they will set it in somewhere where it's not been before. Yeah, now, that's right, and that's that's the thing that thing that's very interesting to me is that, you know, New Vegas did a good job of creating a new locale and a very different feel of the place, and I think that's also something that Skyrim does beautifully. And as much as I love Dragon Age compared to Mass Effect, I don't know that those you know the the places don't always feel so vivid in those games. Yeah. Um, now, which isn't to say that Dragon Age doesn't do a good job of making locations, but they don't feel like, you know, distinct locales where the... I mean, you know, in a way, yes. Obviously, the, the, the dwarves living in the rock caverns of... I don't even remember the place where Dragon Age takes place, but, you know, that's obviously a different place from the forest where the elves live. But it, I didn't feel like the surrounding territories were hugely different. And, and in, in any case, those are pretty linear locations anyway, so you never really get to explore a whole lot. So, Yeah. And that, that's the, one of the beauties of, of the Elder Scrolls games is not only is each new game different, mm-hmm. each new place is different as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So there's going to... There's there's, I mean, they've, they've got so much choice available yeah. of not only just where to set it, but when to set it as well. And, they don't and necessarily have to now set it in the future. They could right. go back. Yeah, that's true. And and I think one of the things that they've done very well with the lore and your knowledge and your encyclopedic awareness of this is evidence of it, is that it, wherever they set it, I think there will be things people will be looking forward to about that setting. If Dragon yeah. Age 3 comes out and they... Or, th- 3 isn't out yet. No, we've had 2. Uh, if Dragon Age 3 comes out and they say, it's set in Greblechech, People will be like, okay, whatever. Like they might know one thing about that, but if they say it's in Black Marsh, we'll be stoked to be like, yes, okay, Argon- Argonian backstory and history and stuff. See, the the problem though is that 
it was mostly probably due to hardware limitations, but Cyrodiil was supposed to be a jungle province. Really? I didn't know that. That's what it was, that's what it was like. And huh. what they decided, basically they come out with this new law that said that uh, an emperor, because it, it was in a really old book uh, hmm. in Morrowind. It was like a book on the history of the provinces or something. And uh-huh. it was someone like hundreds of years ago describing Cyrodiil and what it was like. And it was like a jungle, hmm. uh, like a rainforest almost. Hmm. Um, they come out and basically said that an emperor did a deal with like a mage or a, an, or whatever or one of the divines and yeah. changed changed the landscape. Changed the landscape. Wow, that's convenient. Yeah. So I mean, that's something that people will have in the back of their minds. Like if they say it was going to be in Valenwood, right? Don't expect moving cities. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. it would be really cool if there were. That would be really. Can you cool. imagine and like giant trees, like literally giant trees just moving in the distance. Oh sure, and and I think. You know, if nothing else, I think Skyrim shows that they're interested in doing the most that they can with the hardware. And I think that if they can make that happen, that would be an amazing thing. And I think Bethesda's the studio that could make it happen. Definitely. And with Next Gen, I mean, you've seen what they were able to do at the beginning of the Xbox 360 with hardly any knowledge. The yeah. Oblivion, you know, it's yeah. still, oh, sure. you know, really good looking now. Yeah, to yeah. the end, and that Skyrim and Rockstar are the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Table tennis and then GTA Five sure, sure. and Red Dead Redemption. You know the what they've been able to do. So with the next gen hardware, mm-hmm. literally the the imagination will be the only limit. I think. Yeah. And I think that you know, yeah, like Shivering Isles and Dragonborn to an extent shows that they're interested in incorporating those imagination elements into the design of the game. And yeah, they they like to have sort of outer worldly type places. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I mean, Morrowind was like that. Morrowind was an alien landscape. Morrowind mm-hmm. had floating creatures and weird worms that attacked you, and it was just, right. it was really weird. And even Blackreach has those huge mushrooms that are kind of waving in the distance, you know. And like, yeah, and in, in Solstein, don't they, in Dragonborn, they have the, yeah, the bull yeah, matches right. and stuff. That's right, that's right. So, I, I th- I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I don't, I, I've been burned. Certain sometimes in the past where I got really excited about a game and then it didn't live up to my expectations. And I'm trying not to do that with The Elder Scrolls Six. but on the other hand, given the improvements and the excellence that we saw from Oblivion to Skyrim, and in your case from Morrowind, you know, in some ways obviously they step back in Oblivion, but, you know, they, they, they seem to learn a lot from each game and deliver us more excellence with the next one, I think, that we Definitely. have a reason to look forward to Six. I mean, I'm, I'm not a blind slave right. to to Bethesda but although I'm, I'm like you I, you know I try not to get my hopes up I will be thinking this is going to be the best game ever and there will be things wrong with it but I don't think that's got to take away from the fact that I'll really enjoy it do you yeah. know what I mean I know what you mean and I think that they've shown that more than anything one of the, you know, well not necessarily more than anything but one of the things I think that they've worked hard on in the same way that Bioware works really hard to make the, the writing good I think Bethesda works really hard to make sure that they develop things that will satisfy what the players most want. And yeah, I think every game developer wants to do that to an extent, but I think Bethesda really does it in an interesting way that puts a focus on the fun and the engrossing aspects of the game. Definitely, and combat wasn't always one of the big things in Elder Scrolls games, and I think they gave us dragons to sort of take that to the next level because dragons really do are nothing like any other monster that's ever been in another Elder Scrolls game. Even oh, yeah. the final boss of Morrowind, I won't spoil it, but I basically ran into the room, 
swiped me sword a couple of times, and that's it. <laughs> and yeah, as much as I loved Oblivion, like the final fight in that felt large and epic, but it didn't feel like it was a sort of a a a, a different breed of combat. Whereas I think the fight with uh, Alduin at the end of this one are, is pretty remarkable. And I mean, I didn't I didn't really want to spoil the end of Morrowind because in, in case you do play it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead and tell me. Okay, basically, spoilers for Morrowind. Um, Dagoth is kind of like... Warning! Warning! He's trying to be like a god, basically, this fella. Alright. And there's a giant machine which was built... Um, I think it was built by the Dwemer. And they, it's they got like a heart, to build and they call it the Heart of Lorcan. Mm-hmm. And you get this weapon called Keening. And you basically have to kill this heart and then he'll die... But he's in the room before the heart, but you can literally just run past him, run into this other room. Nice. Swipe at this heart and then it and then it's over and then you yeah. save the world. Right. Do you know how the um do you know how Red Mountain erupted? Because it's always been sort of active. Do you know how it erupted? I don't. There's a city in in Morrowind called Vivek and basically an asteroid or meteor was coming to hit the earth. And I think Vivek stopped it with his magic because he was like a god, mm. and it was it just sort of stayed stationary about two hundred feet in the air. And people they built a prison in it, Whoa. but he dies, mm. and so his magic loses. Uh, the the magic's lost, and this asteroid, uh, it can it uh, basically keeps the same speed that it was going previously, smashes into the earth. Vivek is just now a creator of this city, and the the mountain erupts. Huh? And that's, that's what happened. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, see the, the Elder Scrolls, the stories and stuff that they come up with. Yeah. There is a guy I can't remember his name now. I think it's Matt, and he wrote all of the lore up until the end of Morrowind. Oh, interesting. And he's credited uh, with with a lot of the stuff. You know, in the community, he's highly yeah. regarded, and they sort of say he's like the man. You know, who knows it? Right, right. Because he wrote it basically. Yeah, and I like that. I think Star Wars did a good job for a while with that. Of like, you know what? Here's the way things happened. And whereas with Star Trek, there's like all these different timelines and different versions of things. With Star Wars and obviously with Elder Scrolls, like here's the way things happened. And rather than say, well, I'm gonna come up with a different thing, you know, like in Batman or you know some comic books, they'll just say like, okay, well here's this origin story or here's this other origin yeah, story. And this yeah, this universe and you got Sensational right. Spider-Man, Amazing e- Spider-Man. Exactly. With 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 Elder Scrolls, I think one of the interesting things about it is that like instead of doing that, they'll say, I want to tell a story. Here's what I'll do is I'll zoom in on this you know, one area or whatever, and I'll tell a part of the story that hasn't been told yet. And that's a cool way of going about it, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's safe to say that whatever they decide to do, whether, you know, even Fallout 4, whatever they do, yeah. it, it won't be perfect, but I think it'll be perfect for me. Yeah, I agree. I think they've shown that they know how to make the basic game, and then whatever they embellish on top will be, I think, a really intriguing turn of events, however they choose to take it. They they are masters at giving people, like, 300 hours of things to do. <laughs> yeah, they definitely they really are. are. And, I mean, yeah. Mass Effect is a fantastic game, but you can finish it next to no time. And there, and there's and no... That's the thing with Mass Effect is, like, as much as I love those games, and I once wrote on the thumbsticks that, like, I think Mass Effect is the probably maybe the best story in, in all of video games, but like... Yeah, it's fantastic. Once you finish it, there's no reason to keep going. Whereas yeah. with Fallout and with the Elder Scrolls, like, I, I, when I finished the main quest line the first time through, I was like, all right, now I can do all this other stuff. And like, it's... Yeah. You're just maybe a third of the way done when you finish the main storyline. Or you may mean. never finish the main storyline. And I always feel like I've, I didn't do enough in Oblivion or Morrowind and yeah. Skyrim. I feel like I've always missed out on something. Oh, sure. 
and you there's probably have like there's you do lots of obviously you know yeah like I, there's a quest it sounds like that I've never found and I thought I found everything because I did that thing where you can unlock I guess it's in the console or something where you can unlock every location so that yeah. you can have it on your map even if you haven't visited it and I went, I went to every single one but mm. even if you have a location it's not a guarantee you found everything there is to find in that location so yeah, the the one the quest I was on about before, I think someone says like they've heard noises or there's a strange smell or something like that about this house. So they ask you to go in, and when you go in, the door like gets locked. And that's the Malrog Ball one. Is it? Yeah, I don't. There's no ghosts in that though. I don't. I don't know. Exactly I must have joined. Time. Like I said, it was so it probably, like yeah, two years ago. I must have joined together, two quests guess, together. Maybe the labyrinthian one, or whatever. Lexicon. Uh, do you know the, the the priest masks and. Yeah, yeah. Labyrinthian and all that. It's just yeah. fucking amazing. No, I love the Dwemer that. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the Dwemer masks... stuff was interested in Morrowind as well because it, it was basically like electricity. Right, right. That's what it is. It's all these lights and stuff. And it was... Do you know, do you, do you know the story of the Dwemer? Do you know what happened to them? Uh, No. They were trying... Because they just disappeared, didn't they? Without yeah, a trace. Right, that's what I was going to say. Um, But there was one left and he was in Morrowind. I think he's dead now. Hmm. Um, Basically, they were they were really advanced. I think... It's, it's rumored that they had space travel, believe it or not. Wow. No, so I like, had heard that. They and were really like, advanced, and they want they they didn't want to die, so they wanted to try and be divine and live forever. So they yeah. come. They were trying to build a machine that did it for them, hmm. and like something went wrong or something didn't happen, and they basically paid with their souls, and they all vanished. All right. But no one knows if they did become divine because huh. no one. You know, no one's up there to see it. So yeah, they right. may have, may have, may as well have come become divine, or they may have just been wiped out. But that's leave what it, happened to leaving them. Leaving that door open, man. We might see some of that in six. That's what I mean. They might come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there was there's t- tales, or there's a law book about like a, a a station on the moon. Wow. Dwemer Station or something. That's awesome. I know. Wow. All right. Well, we better cut it there because otherwise we'll be going for another seven hours or something. But um, I want to thank you, Rich, for being with us and. Uh, Thank you, everybody, who uh, has been involved in the Veteran Gamers and the G4TE and all the other communities. And uh, thank you, obviously, to Bethesda for making such an excellent game. And thanks also to Malu Phoenix, because she did the excellent version of the uh, the Dragonborn Comes that we listened to at the beginning. Any uh, shout-outs, Rich, before we sign off? Um, yeah, just shout-out to all the community and all the listeners. Um Obviously, it's an amazing podcast to listen to, the Veteran Gamers and the Overseas Connection. Um, and I'm not biased because I know everyone that's on them. <laughs> and you often but, uh, appear on the Overseas Connection. Not as much as yeah. you should, but... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just shout out to Bethesda, really, because they've created a you know a, a, fran- a true franchise that it really does surpass. I mean, I love GTA and uh, you know, I love me Forza and me Gran-, Gran Turismo, but Elder Scrolls is just something something very special. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll have Tay Zonde take us out with the Dragonborn song. Do 
And the interesting thing about that is that he doesn't move aside from the mic to breathe in every five seconds in that video. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Well, uh, normally this is where Stu would let the tape run for 20 minutes in order to catch all of the funny, insouciant jokes at the end of the discussion, but I'm actually going to stop recording now. So thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you very much, love.